Hello and welcome to the MJ Cast. I'm Jamin Bull. I'm here with my co-host Q. It's episode 91, a regular episode. Today's record date is Friday the 9th of November 2018. Got a bunch of cool stuff to talk about, some follow-up around Thriller Night. We're going to be talking about the Jacksons tour to Australia coming up in January, a new song from Terrell Jackson, some stuff that's gone up for auction, some new leaks, a new book, And we're going to be sharing some random MJ chat in our main discussion topic. Enjoy. The following is a presentation from the MJ cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things. I love you! <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Live from Studio Brisbane, it's Jamin. <laughs> oh, it's all set up. We're in our new house. We're loving it. It's great. And yes, I'm in my new studio, podcast studio. Oh my goodness. So happy. Is it a cupboard? No, <laughs> we started in a cupboard, but no, this is, I now have a dedicated podcasting room for now. That's great. <laughs> Until we have another baby and then it's going to become a, <laughs> you know, a guest oh, room. Oh, so. really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then you'll be recording in the baby's nursery. I know, with lots more crying, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if we'll be out. Uh, no more Livy crying in the background, even though she is right outside the door right now crying. So I don't know if the mic. Why can pick have that you up. closed the door? I've got to be in in isolation, man. I've got. I'm going to put. Not really? Haven't you seen that BBC reporter when the little girl comes into the into the room when he's doing that really serious interview about some big political crisis? That was very funny in that video, but no, I take podcasting seriously. I'm going to put up. I want to put up noise cancelling foam. Uh, studio foam on the in the windows and i want to get get real about this yeah. this is my chance your wife doesn't know about that does she not yet no 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 we will we'll find um, out about that and maybe when that's it's not gonna happen yeah yeah that's not gonna happen because <laughs> that that won't be very good for a nursery look either <laughs> a really creepy nursery <laughs> yeah that's like a scary horror nursery drug lab wow. <laughs> creepy so yeah you bought a house congratulations yeah i bought a house we bought a house it's it's awesome i love it it's so central to my school in brisbane and i i had a meeting today a conference in the cbd and i was home you know 20 something minutes later it was so good i'm wow so so happy i can't wait for you to come over and see it well i've seen you outside of the house I oh that's you right me that you said i have I an been... ugly letterbox I didn't know. The letterbox was fine, but they painted it weird. Yeah, you said it was ugly. <laughs> well, maybe the paint job was ugly. I can't remember exactly. There was something not right. I, I agree but with you. You can fix though. that now. I'm, I'm going to get a new one. It's I, it's too big. It's huge mowing, okay. and it's got this weird like thing that juts out of it, a concrete section. And when you try to mow around it, it's really hard, and I don't want to scratch my new mower. So, Our um, letterbox is like the size of a filing cabinet. Wow. It's huge. Just a lot of junk mail going in that one. I love junk mail, and yes, there is. So like that's Target fine. Magazine. Yep, love those. <laughs> they go straight to the straight to the toilet. So that's reading material. Oh wow. But, um, 
There's like a parcel drop in the letterbox. So it's got this big door that you open and Holy you can put dolly. parcels on it when we have a smart mail person delivering mail, which does not happen half the time. And then they sit the, the parcel on this thing and when they close it, it drops into the bottom of the letterbox. So oh, I've it's seen secure. them. I've seen yeah. those. That's really cool. It's awesome. So they are not meant to leave packages at the front door so people can just walk past and steal it. Wow, you could get an opus in that bad boy. No, no, no. It's definitely not that big. <laughs> God, yeah. I really need to do something with my Michael Jackson Opus book. It's still in its original packaging in the back of a cupboard. So You've been talking about uh, getting a plinth for like four seasons yeah. now. What's going on? Still haven't won Lotto. So Right, right. Yeah, that'll that'll prevent everything from happening. <laughs> so yeah. So I guess it's spring over there and here. What's that? Um, yeah. Have you not got spring? Because it's 35 degrees here today. It's like 35. winter here still. It's Can you please send winter? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm over it and I want winter to start again already. And summer hasn't even began yet. Like it's still spring for like a few more months. And it was 35 today. And wow. I've been in the car like driving around today like for like three hours. It was really hot. Wow. It can't make up its mind over here. It's like hot one day, cold the next, but it's been really cold and rainy for the past few days, so I'm enjoying that. Really am. I've got I've got a confession though to make, and this does this does relate to heat. I um our plan was to buy air conditioning for the summer. Um we we moved into this house. The one caveat around the house was it didn't have air conditioning. So we budgeted for that and we were gonna buy aircon. Anyway, it turns out that the suburb we've moved to is like literally statistically the coolest suburb in brisbane like it's up it's really elevated um land so and it's near a harbor so there's like a lot of breeze that comes through all the time you open the windows in the living room and it's just breezy it's awesome but um we thought well you know it's it's november 9th ish still really cool maybe we don't need aircon this summer so we're going to try and tough it out this summer to get aircon later and that meant because we made that decision, I um I did spend the money that we'd allocated to air conditioning, and I did get a new iPhone 10s. And I know you would have decided on the aircon. I know you would have chosen the aircon. Well, that would benefit the whole family, not just you. Lee didn't want the aircon. She Lee was the one who was like, "We we don't need to buy it right now." I can't believe air conditioning for a house is the same price as a phone. No, it was, well, it's nearly like to aircon our master room and the entire living room was three and a half grand and the phone was two grand. So it was obscene and we really need to get onto topic for this show because we've been talking for like 12 hours about (laughs) everything under the sun (laughs) except Michael Jackson and the Jackson family. Oh, Oh, okay. Well, we do have some follow up. Yeah. A little bit of follow-up. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. quickly talk like it was a great episode for Thriller Night. Huge thank you to wonderful Elise. I love you, Elise. You're the best. You did an amazing roundtable. It was such a great episode to listen back to. And um, Andy and James, thank you so much for being on that show. And we had hoped to get some other people, but some we never heard back from and well, they're really mega, mega busy people anyway, but then others were traveling and they couldn't be on the show. So that was a shame. But the conversation between the three was 
really cool to listen into as a fan. And um, yeah, so thank you, Elise, Andy, and James, for a great Thriller Night episode. Yeah, it was a phenomenal episode. It's one of my favorites that we've released. Um, very strong roundtable, and Elise did a great job hosting it. Well done, Elise. Little tiny touch of critical listener feedback around the, you know. It was one uh, person. That was it. No, there was a few. There was a really? few. Yeah. Um, there was a few people said that, you know, we could have talked about the other side of things around not wanting to support estate products. And I'm, you know, I'm Q, you know, I'm personally one of those people. But um, the thing is, it's really hard. We we couldn't actually do that because like when you're talking about a new product and we do want to cover all the news. And when you're talking about new estate products, you got to have people on the show that have actually engaged with it. So imagine getting yeah, somebody we on the been show. On, we could have been on that show. I really wanted to be on that bloody round table. I can tell you that right now. I was like butting in, listening to it. I really wanted to be on that <laughs> round table. But you and I haven't seen it. We didn't see it. We didn't so, see it. So like what, you're just going to sit there the whole time going, uh-huh. Make it up. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh-huh. Make it up. <laughs> I had stuff to so, say, um, but it wasn't, wouldn't have been stuff to say actually about the film, which is what the round table was about. That's what the roundtable's about. So please, people, understand that, yes, even though I personally am in the camp you're talking about, you can't really do a roundtable about a new product, including such a person, because it would just be weird. <laughs> and I think also there's a difference between doing a roundtable about a shitty album that has been cobbled <laughs> together with crappy mixes or a playlist or some shit, and then the actual restoration of a historical film and piece of art that yeah, will, yeah. you know, put this piece of art in better stead for future generations to come because it has actually literally been restored to a quality of its creation. Absolutely. So, and Elise made that point really well. And it it really hit home to me last night. I was I was watching MJ on YouTube. I just felt like an MJ video binge, and um, I just just was playing like "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" and different things. And I was like, "This quality sucks. It really does. Like it's when you blow it up to like sixty inch TV from YouTube, it is bad quality." Um, so I'm I'm I for one am yes, you know I don't fully support the estate, et cetera, but I'm fully glad that they've at least decided to restore and remaster Thriller. Uh, and I hope they do that for all these videos, for sure. Yeah, they won't, but yes, indeed. You have a note here for another little follow-up thing? Yeah, yeah, something cool happened um, to me. Uh, it was a weird dish experience, but um, I was at my school's um, 30th anniversary um, awards night. Shout out 30th anniversary concert. Anyway, um, so <laughs> uh, so I work for Wellington Point State High School in Queensland and they had a, um, or we had, I should say, our 30th awards night. And, a, and an awards night, for those of you who don't know or whatever, is when it's like a, an academic evening where students get awards. And there's often um, performances put on by the school's various departments, drama department, music, dance, whatever. And on this particular evening, they were coming up to the, the musical and dance numbers um, in between the awards. And I, I literally had, I had no idea what they were going to do. I had no input into this whatsoever. I'm a head of department at the school, so I was sitting in like the front couple of rows. And... Um, 
they came out and the dance performance was first and you wouldn't believe it. It was, it, I, it literally knocked me off my feet. It was crazy. It was Janet Jackson's made for now. And <laughs> it was so good. I, I was like blown away. And then I thought, right, cool. That's my Jackson fix for the evening. And then straight after that, they had a um, choir, like an acapella choir performance to Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson with heaps of footage behind them on the screen of highlights of the 80s and half of that footage was MJ, like moonwalking and performing at the Grammys and... Oh my god, it was it was really crazy. I, it was so surreal to me because it was like my school, and I had no involvement whatsoever in the evening. So it was crazy, and I had to call you straight after it happened. Yeah, that was a cool phone call. <laughs> that was so random and awesome. <laughs> but the story doesn't stop there, believe it or not. And you haven't oh, heard this side of it. You've done some digging. I've done some digging, and I went and spoke to the um the the lady who's in charge of the choir and the um and music at the school. Jamin discovered what wing the drama department was in <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I wandered on down there. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, the lady who is in charge, I won't say her name. She's lovely and wonderful. Oh, my God. We had a great conversation about Janet Jackson. And she started singing a song from Velvet Rope album, awesome. which was so cool. She's, she's a Jackson fan. And um, anyway, so and she oh, actually she told me a story when she teaches music to the kids in the classroom. She uses They Don't Care About Us for a, a drum exercise, which I thought was cool. Ooh, cool. Um, Anyway, so she has given us permission. Um, won't be ready for this episode you're hearing right now, but later in the year, certainly. She has given us permission to play a um, professionally recorded version of that of our school's choir singing Man in the Mirror. Ah, oh, that'd be wicked. I can't wait to get that and play it later in the year and hopefully in our mixtape. So, yeah. Aren't you glad you went and walked down the hall and discovered where the drama department is? <laughs> well, we actually met in the um, playground on playground duty. So, okay. it was, yeah, it was more convenient. But anyway, very happy. That's yes, cool. that was my nice follow up. Nice work. <laughs> nice work. So, should we get to the news? Let's do it. I'm excited for this first item, let me Good tell you. Good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, my I God. Don't, I don't have tickets. I'm trying to decide how Yet. I'm going to do it. Because Kylie's also coming to Perth in March. Well. And she's uh, cheaper. Anyway, let's let's do this. Okay. The, the Jacksons have announced an Australian and New Zealand uh, tour. Well, it's a part of their festival circuit that they're doing down this way so uh for australia it is part of the summer series music festival and it'll be january next year 2019 so from the 12th to the 19th of january the jacksons will be forming um pretty much a lot of the cities in australia including one that you were not expecting but it's worked out very well for you well, three really that yeah, I wasn't expecting. They've oh, they've chosen some some great locations. So I was certainly not expecting them to go to Adelaide. It's not often that that big name artists hit up Adelaide, which is one of our capital cities. And I can guarantee you, you, there'll be photos on Sarah's Instagram of her yes. meeting the brothers at the airport. <laughs> Shout out to Sarah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. She meets every single celebrity that comes to Adelaide <laughs> at the airport. She just she she's really a does fan, and she's with pop culture and all that, and she she'll meet every single person at the airport. 
so cool. Yes. Yeah. So that that is happening. And, and not only are the Jacksons going to Adelaide, but they're going to two Queensland cities. Queensland's the only state that they're performing in two different cities in. Um, so they are doing a North Brisbane show, which I originally was thinking of going to, but my friend convinced me to go to the Gold Coast show, which is another city south of Brisbane. And... Um, Okay, so I, I'm so glad I followed my friend Terry's advice because this tour is, first of all, like I wasn't such a huge fan that it was a, um, a festival shows. I don't like festivals as much as standalone concerts because often they're outdoors and it's hot and sunny and gross and, and you don't get as long a set from the artist either. But um, this festival this festival tour is a little bit unique because in some of the locations, including I think Melbourne... Um, but definitely Gold Coast. A few of the dates are indoors at convention centers. So I don't know how that's going to go. The shows are starting quite late in those venues, like 5 p.m., and it's still a festival with like five acts and stuff playing. So I don't know how late these shows are going to go. It uh, doesn't worry me too much. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad we chose Gold Coast. It's an evening um, in an indoor venue yeah, it's going to be awesome. I am going to the show that will be on the 15th of January. Um, if any of our listeners are from Brisbane and want to come and meet me and say g'day, I'll be there. Um, if you recognize me, I'll probably be wearing some kind of MJ-related T-shirt. And hopefully we'll have our – no, I'm not going to say hopefully. We will have our MJ cast lanyards made by that point. So, <laughs> so if you see, If you see a nerdy-looking dude that has a Jackson's T-shirt he and looks like a teacher. lanyard on – yeah, I he'll look like be. A, he looks like, a teacher. look like a teacher. Yeah, and I'll be there. A... Come say good day. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be Jamin. <laughs> I'll I'll be with my mate Terry, who's very casual MJ fan, but incidentally did go and see Immortal when it came to town, and he loved it. I'll be in the fourth row back, row D, probably in fist pumping the air and dancing and carrying on. So, so I can't wait. What other acts are you excited to see? So I'm really excited to hear Cool and the Gang finally live. I mean, these were, these guys were a big funk band in the 70s in their own right. And, you know, they got the song Celebration and Jungle, Jungle Boogie. They'll be great to hear. Uh, I can't wait to hear the Pointer Sisters. Uh, yes. Huge fan of um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City from back in the day. And their song Automatic was always playing on the 80s radio station. Yeah, so choice. I knew them from back then. And um, Village People will be awesome. Macho Man, YMCA. Why not? That'll be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'll be good. And uh, yeah, they have they have um, the Supremes. Like it's not the Supremes Supremes. It's called like Sounds of the Supremes or something. So I'm guessing it'll be some members of the Supremes, but That's obviously not Diana Ross. Yeah, so. yeah. Who is still yeah. touring and doing amazing apparently. Yeah, and Sister Sledge, who admittedly I don't know much Great about. Great lineup. So I haven't got leave for January. But, uh, not okay. I lie. I have got leave in January, but it's the week yep. after. It's the Hub's birthday week. Right. And I'd already taken that, and now there's no more leave in January available for us to take. So I mean, like let's let's talk about the Perth date. So it's on. I've got it here. It's it's on um hang on. Okay, it's on the nineteenth of January and it's at a pretty weird venue for you too. It's at like a winery. It, yeah. What day of the week is that? 
a weekend. Uh, I'm just going into the future in the DeLorean. Just check a calendar. It's, yeah, that's what I'm actually doing. Oh, okay. It's on uh, a Saturday. Okay, so yeah, like I could try and get a Saturday off and head out to a winery and get sunburnt and more skin cancers removed and things like that. Hang on, let me just try and convince you here, Q. Listen no, to I, like, these... like I want to, but to be honest, I I would prefer seeing it at your venue. We'll, we'll get on a flight and come over. Yeah, how I don't have any leave and there is yeah. no leave to take. What day of the week is yours? Is that a weekend? Oh, no, it's actually really awkward. Mine's like Tuesday night or something. You're going out on a school night? Well, this is in the school holidays. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So I'm really lucky. But Q, come on. The thing is, I mean, truly, do you honestly think the Jacksons are going to tour Australia again? No. Like they're they're getting on a bit. Yeah. Like you gotta go, you gotta go. I've you remember seen what the Paul Jacksons. Black says? I've I seen know the Jacksons you've seen and it. it was awesome. It was with my nephew Patrick, and the tickets are not cheap. I know it's for not just the Jacksons. They are That's like right. 170 they're, they're bucks for the cheapest. They are Ky- very expensive. Yeah. Kylie's also coming and hers is in Perth and it's on a weekend and it's in March where I can still take leave. There are leave slots available if yeah. I need to just guarantee to book that off, but there is not for January at all. So I can't book leave. And people on our trip swap page are always like, oh, in a wedding and I tried to book these days off and I didn't get it and I need to swap these days. So it's hard to try and get the days. And Kylie's a little bit cheaper than the Jacksons, not much, but a little bit cheaper. So I don't Your call. Yeah. Your call. But you've picked, I think, the best show to go to. I'm and so I am happy. jealous of that. Yeah, and it, you know what? Like, it's um, I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be pretty popular because I got the tickets like the hour or something that they went on sale, and I'm already in the fourth row back. Yeah. So that's I don't know how many seats in front of me that got sold out before, but I think it's gonna be pretty big. I think it's gonna be great. Yeah. As Marnie going. Yep, Marnie's going. Um, we've awesome. already spoken on Facebook comments and she's going to go and we'll Wicked. catch up, which I'm excited for. That will for. be great. Damo um, isn't, which is a bit of a shame, but I understand his situation at yep. the moment. Well, I'm very happy that you're going to get to see them and we're one of our lanyards. You need to start I working will. on that. And I'm really, I'm truly excited that like my first ever um time seeing a Jackson family member live will be seeing the fellas that started it all with Michael. That's yeah. that really is exciting for me. Um so. have you got any details there for the New Zealand date? It's the same lineup but I think the tour is called something different. Um it's called Summer's Day Disco or something. It says January 2019 New Zealand and it'll be on January 10th. Oh, okay, so it's actually happening before. Is that before the Australian dates? Yeah, or? yeah, that is yeah. two days before. So New Zealand first, then Australia. Going to be awesome. Can't wait. I'm going to try really hard to interview one or more of the Jackson brothers leading up to it about their Australian tour and then hopefully I, – I really don't want the pressure. I don't know what you think about this, but 
I really don't want the pressure of interviewing them if it was all possible there. I really just want to relax and just enjoy the show without any kind of nerves about, oh, I'm going to interview them. If I get to meet them, wow, that'd be crazy. But um, I'm going to try and Skype them beforehand if they'd agree and then just go and relax and enjoy the show. They need to check their emails and answer their Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Um, hey, one last thing on this. I noticed that there's no like meet and greet or anything. It's just the tickets and that's it. Is that normal? Because I think last time they did a meet and greet. I think because it's a festival thing. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Next up. Oh, this one's weird. Yeah, I didn't know this... why you put this in. Yeah, I linked it to a whole bunch of other stuff to flesh it out a bit for you. The reason I put it in was because, uh, like, at first I wasn't going to because it was another stupid little auction thing. But Karen Fay was tweeting about it and a range of other people. And it really got me thinking about the nature of auctions themselves and, like, what's okay to auction, what's not okay to auction. And, and of course, we're talking about Michael Jackson possessions here. Often they, uh, people that are in, in possession of Michael Jackson's things from when he was alive, they sell them in auctions and make a stack of money. And occasionally I'm cool, I'm cool with it. Like, if it's, like, a gold record or if it's a... You know, it's like the original fedora worn by Michael on Motown 25. Like that that sort of stuff I think is kind of cool and okay if it was owned by somebody that had it for legit reasons. But like then there's this one. So one of Michael's wigs is up for auction. I don't know who had it. but I um, do. Carol. I think her name was Carol and she was another makeup artist with Michael. She did okay. um, hair and makeup. I think she worked with Karen and Michael together for a while and then sometimes it was just Carol. Now, the, when I first read it, I was thought, I thought, oh, that's tacky. Why would you sell, want to sell one of his wigs? But the more I thought about it, the worse it got in my mind because, like, you know, as we know, as Michael Jackson got older, like many men, he was balding. Nothing, No shame in that. That's what happens to, to, to some guys. He covered it up with wigs. I don't think Michael was the sort of guy that would have wanted the public to know he was balding. So wigs, to me, are a very personal item. It's like it's more personal than clothing. It's pretty much should be treated like a, you know, his body. So I, I'm not okay with this at all. The more I think about it, that's a very personal object that I don't think should ever be auctioned. What are your thoughts on it? I think wigs are not an uncommon thing for celebrities. I would challenge anyone to give me celebrities that are not really wearing hair pieces. Mm. And that includes actually plenty of guys, especially, especially musicians, especially musicians like James Brown. Do you think that was his hair? I don't. Definitely not. No, no. no for sure. So like little Richard and, but even like modern bands, I think a lot wear hair pieces. And so whether it was for Michael's hair, obviously, you know, he was wearing a hair piece since the Pepsi incident anyway, uh, just a full hair piece or like a, a partial one, it's no different to me. Like, God, somewhat terrible. And it took me years to like some of them and some of them I still never liked, like Hello Invincible Era, just, oh, my God. But, um, 
No, this is in very bad taste and it is very seedy and awful. And no, I don't think it's a good thing at all. Like it's different to someone auctioning clothes and memorabilia. This is like, yeah, something very personal. And no, Michael would be like just just disgusted by this. This is as bad as the Casio brothers auctioning off like, you know, Medical packaging and things. X-rays. X-rays and pill bottles and all the other awful stuff that they try and sell. Yeah, it's it's a little nasty and, and I'm not cool with it. And and I've seen quite a few people like Lynn Tyler and stuff calling them out on Twitter and I'm, I think it's deserved. It's not, it's not okay. Also in separate auctions, there's the black bad tour costume with the buckles all over it is up for sale and in another collection there are drawings and sketches by michael himself and the handwritten uh planet earth poem up for sale as well so that was i think from dr stephen hofflin so that's even bad that a doctor friend of michael is auctioning stuff why are these people not going okay i've got this really personal thing why can't they go to the mj estate and go we have this for sale like we think that you should put this back into your collection i don't think that's realistic i i think i i really don't think it's in people's nature to want to go and do that i i don't think it's realistic to expect any you know people to do that unless they're fans who are respectful of michael or decent people I think it should be the estate's responsibility to buy these things. Like, if they're rolling in the billions of dollars of cash that they are from selling <laughs> Beatles catalogs left, right, and center, collect the artifacts. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I understand that if they went and did that for everything of Michael's that was up for sale, the price would, you know, quadruple in price instantly and they'd be getting ripped off left, right, and center. Yeah. That wouldn't be fair. I don't but, think they should have, should have to buy everything. They shouldn't have to buy every T-shirt he ever wore, but certainly no, no, no. some of these like... Well, those things the, shouldn't even be up for sale, but... No. Yeah, you know, artifacts are things like handwritten notes, hand drawings, tour costumes. All of this stuff we would pay to see in a museum. And that's my way to wrap this up is that there is still no museum. There's still no place for us to go as fans. And the estate do not give a shit about artifacts out there. Yeah, that's it. So over on Netflix, there is a children's show coming. It's called Motown Magic. And it is going to be featuring some Jackson 5 classics. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. I went onto the Netflix website and it had a little uh, kind of an excerpt about what it's about. Imaginative boy Ben transforms his city by bringing colourful street art to life, armed with a magic paintbrush and the classic sounds of Motown. Sounds cool. I think this will be awesome for you to sit down and watch with your gorgeous little MJ fan girl. Uh, and she really is now. She's been watching the history tour, let me tell you. And she uh, <laughs> she calls him Jackson. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. 
So that's so cool that like the music of Motown will be rediscovered through these performances, these vocal arrangements featured in the show. So the clip that I saw isn't the actual Jackson 5 vocals, but it is this amazing little actor, this this little boy that is singing the song. I'm going to say pretty much almost as good as Michael because it was incredible. Wow. I, I Yeah, I haven't seen that clip, I'll admit, but I'm going to watch it straight after this. Yeah, it was really cool. So that's I think that's really awesome that the music's going to be sort of introduced to a whole new generation and that this music still stands the test of time that then they will go, uh, wow, what are these songs? And look further into them and go, hey, that's like a little kid singing it just like me. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Now we're going to give you the old stuff. The old-fashioned way.
Hi, this is Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffitt, drummer for Michael Jackson and the Jacksons, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. So there's been a leaky leak. Hasn't been one for a while, but uh, just, we've had. A, there's so many that I can't even keep track. So yeah, this one's weird too. It's the Heal the World demo or something, and it's like, but it's it's like a recording. In the studio, it must be in a control room or something. And then, yeah. like, the Heal the World demos playing in the background, but Michael's there, like, sort of singing over the demo and talking with people about it. It was... Yeah. Some people in the comments were saying that it's, like, made up of multi-tracks and stuff. Yeah, I, can't, I couldn't actually figure out what I was really listening to, like, what point in the process this was being recorded or... It was a. Uh, it was cool to listen to to hear hear you know Michael over the top of it, but it and was. I'm not um, sure who he was with. I don't know if that was like Seth Riggs, his vocal coach, or if that was like producer in the studio operating equipment or something. I'm not sure. And there'll be a link in the show notes. Yes, it's kind of the original upload. I think was taken down off YouTube, but then a bunch of people have re-uploaded it, and they haven't been taken down as of yet. So yep. <laughs> when you click on it, maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. Lucky and <laughs> where can people find the show notes? The show notes are on the mjcast.com or if you're listening through a podcast app, you don't even have to go there because they're on your screen pretty much right now. Yep. And then you just scroll down and click on what we're talking about. Click on the active links. What are they called? Hyperlinks. And Hyperlinks. Yep. And then that'll open up the video or the article or the thing that we're talking about. Plus the music we play in the show, we link that as well. So head over there. A new song from a Jackson family member, 3T's Tarrell Jackson, has released a new song in his solo catalog. Uh, It's called Next Time. Uh, I Man, I'm really enjoying it. I've been listening to it a lot the last few days. And uh, let me tell you, I'm a big fan of this one. It was a bit of a... it took me a while to warm up to it. The first listen kind of, you know, I thought it was all right. But 
Yeah. The more I listen to it, the more I'm enjoying it. Big fan of this one. I think the previous single he did in August, you would definitely like this new one next time more than the previous one, which is more of like a club sort of song. This one's more like a really smooth groove, really pretty melody and great vocals. And yeah, this is more your thing. This is more my thing. Like I know you're a big fan of dance style music and Tarrell's experimenting with the EDM sound and I don't know. To me, his voice and style suits this sort of thing more, like the soulful sort of stuff. The Yeah, I, I like this. It harkens back a little bit more to the 3T sound. So Yeah, it definitely fan. does. Harkens back to 3T sound. Perfectly said. Yep, for sure. Yeah. I'm confused about his release philosophy though like he puts it out he doesn't really do any promo for it much uh on social media really he doesn't really engage with people about the music at all um and then he's releasing it on well for for me okay i'll access it via apple music itunes i guess it used to be called and but he releases stuff under Tarrell Jackson, but he's also released different stuff under just Tarrell. And it's like, dude, like that is so inconsistent because it's not like when you search for one, it actually brings everything up. They're like literally treated as separate artists. Yeah. He's got two artist profiles going on on Apple Music and it's weird because it's not like they're two different styles of music. They've even got the same visual styling to like the artworks and the fonts and they're clearly all from the same project, but they're coming out under these two different profiles. Yeah. Super weird. Like, is he forgetting where he's <laughs> uploading from or something? It's really odd. It's I found messy. that really strange. And if you've got OCD, then you'll be really frustrated by it. Oh, oh it's really annoying to me. Like, <laughs> so insanely annoying. Um, <laughs> cause when I go to my artist playlists and stuff, it's like Tarrell and Tarrell Jackson, which one am I looking for? Yeah. Please fix this Tarrell. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I left a note on his Facebook, but again, like no interaction. So <laughs> it's like he puts it out. He's making this great music, but he doesn't want to engage with it at all. It's odd. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Anyway. Yeah. Should we, um maybe get some more family news from about other Jacksons from our Jackson family correspondent, Yannicka over at Jackson source. Would this be a good time for that? Absolutely. Let's do it. Hey you guys, this is Yannicka from Jackson source. And I really wanted to talk about Jafar's debut performance at the Dolby theater during the NASCO nation event called the reveal. And Jafar was the closing performance of the night where uh, he performed with the band 1500 or nothing. These are Grammy award winning uh, musicians. So it's not just a band, (laughs) but for a debut performance, I think he he did an incredible job because not only we have not even heard his song. So it's not he had to perform in front of a business to business, business to consumers audience, which is not like an artist just performing for your fans. Nobody's ever heard the songs. Uh, and he had to pull it off live, so uh, I think I think he did amazing, and I really like the songs. I, you can hear them twice or, tr- or three times, and they're sticking in your head. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to what he's going to bring for studio versions. I don't really 
know how the cryptocurrency thingy is going to work out. I think it's called Juicic. Uh, he tokenized his album or his upcoming musical releases. So I think sooner or later there will be a chance for people to buy cryptocurrency, the Juicic currency, and then buy the music or content or whatever Nasgo is going to put on the blockchain platform. But it's interesting. He's making history. And I'm really proud to see him do what he do and, and pave his own way and path like we're used to from all the Jacksons because none of them, they, they don't follow paths. They just create them. So I think that's amazing for, an, for a rising artist. All right. So we have Michael again topping the list of the highest earning deceased celebrities. A very morbid list, but... Again, Michael has topped the list and has every year since his passing, I believe. This year, it was from the money that the estate earned when the Sony ATV catalogue, which consisted uh, of an EMI music publishing catalogue, and the EMI publishing catalogue was sold, this was a catalogue that was purchased after Michael passed. He had nothing to do with it. It was a business thing which happened when Sony acquired EMI, I believe. And yeah, yeah apparently that catalogue got separated and sold and Michael got his share because he was, you know, part owner, being part of Sony ATV. And that is why Michael is in the list this year because there's not really many other assets they can sell of his to be in the list next time. So I'll be interested to see next next year, like where he falls in the list, if he's still at the top. He's earning money with his own MyJack music catalogue, of course. Neverland is still up for sale for $100 million and no one's purchased that yet. That would be something that would um, help keep him in this list. But I don't think selling all his assets really should be the qualifying factor for Michael being in the top of this list every year. This news is out because it's an article written by um, Branker's best mate, Zach O'Malley Greenberg from Forbes, and he does this every year. He does a list of all the top-earning celebrities, and Michael's nearly always at number one, and Zach always takes the opportunity to to fill his little articles with um, John Branker quotes. And the the reason Michael's at number one, according to Zach, isn't necessarily just because of the EMI sale, even though that's the main, definitely the, the biggest and main factor. But Zach is also quoting John Branker saying that Michael Jackson's Halloween TV deal with CBS is also a big factor. Um, Branker says, you see Charlie Brown Christmas and Charlie Brown Thanksgiving every year. So now we're looking to have Michael Jackson's Halloween every year. We hope that it'll become evergreen. So I guess there's also the Scream album and and I guess also the um, fashion deals the, that the Michael Jackson estate has signed with various um, shops around the world recently like Culture Kings. And, and what's the other one? In Australia or, or Cotton On, which we'll talk about later. Cotton On and there's yeah. some big but name labels. I don't know. Remember a few years ago we spoke about a big merchandise deal. This was like back in season two. They did a huge deal with some merchandiser and then we had nothing come out. So maybe the stuff that's coming out now is from that. 
I think so. That's what I was thinking as I was I was walking through. What is it, JJ's or what? What was it? Cotton what did you on? say before? Cotton on. That's it. I was walking walking through Cotton on the other day, and I actually was ex- one thing I was sort of shocked by was I was expecting that the Mike that Michael would be their like only celebrity type thing going on in there, but. I thought it was a really special type thing, but it's not. They they have like everything, every, like heaps of 80s celebrities and TV shows and movies. It's like a theme they must have at the moment in Cotton On is like 80s stuff everywhere. So, um, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, is this really the estate doing this or did Cotton On reach out to the estate to do it? But I couldn't really figure it out. But that's, I just think it's licensing. I just think it's licensing, like... Which is, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, I don't think it's a bad thing. Either, we'll we'll talk about um, the cotton on thing of later. Factors. It's a, one of the other, yeah, yeah. So, 400 million, 2018, cool, but most of that is the estate selling assets. Elvis, well, comes I don't think in it's the estate, two, it's, it's Sony because the estate can't say, oh, Sony, you can't do business deals that don't involve us. Well, it's the same thing because John Brank is. He's an employee of Sony. And yeah, it's a giant company. Estate, it's but. like, who did Disney buying some giant media empire, but they can't have the Sky News part of it or something? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like that. So, Whereas when you look at Elvis, who's at number two, and he's 40 million, like there's been a massive push from the Elvis estate in the last year around products, just from following friend of the show, JD. Like he's a huge Elvis fan. And um, I've certainly seen like him talking about a lot of new Elvis type things coming out in the last year. Like, what was it? His comeback special or something got put in cinemas around the place and remastered. Yeah, but also I think there's been some Beatles re-releases this year that now Michael earns nothing from. Yeah, some huge ones like the White Albums yeah. come out with a new anniversary. So yeah, great job, Estate. Yeah, great Not. job. There's, but like I don't think they had much of a choice about that either because of the. Financial agreements and things that Michael was in, whether knowingly or not. Anyway, let's move on. We'll see where he stands next year and what they sell next. Have you seen the new Amazon uh, 2018 holiday campaign, ad campaign? I have, and it is so cool. I was so into that. I have a feeling you literally three <laughs> seconds ago watched it. <laughs> oh, well, the listeners all never know. Never no. know that Jamin <laughs> literally was like, no, I haven't seen it. Let me go watch it now. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, that launched this week. There's been some mixed reactions to it. Really? Has there been? Yes, there has. What? What's not to like? Um, I'm... People can like what they wish to like. and Yeah, but they, what are they saying is bad? I think they're just... People might think that people are trying to cash in. But okay. to me, it's very well done. I think it's yeah, that very, awesome. really heartwarming for a giant, like, megalithic retailer that treats a lot of its warehouse employees worse than slaves and whose postage is often just astronomical and not worth paying. Um, But I think it is a heartwarming and quite well done ad campaign based on the Jackson's classic track. It's not a Michael Jackson solo song, folks. It's a Jackson song. Can you feel it? 
and it's a, I guess, about the feeling you get when you get a package at Christmas time that you've ordered off Amazon. So I think I think it's pretty cool. I think it's cute. I think it's nice. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm glad you liked it. I like it because it's like the song itself has like the bells in it anyway and it's like got a bit of a holiday orchestral feel and um, it suited it, I thought. And the, you know, the, the vocals in it were really cool. I thought it was yeah. really well done. I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked that some people did not like that. I thought that was really good. Music music is always going to be used in advertising. And, like, I'm so glad to hear that the Jacksons are being represented, you know, because yeah. often those albums, specifically Triumph and Destiny, are so underrated. Like, why are they not in, like, when you read the Rolling Stones, like, top 500 albums of all time and stuff? Like, I very rarely see the Jacksons' work in there. You see MJ's work in there, but the Jackson stuff is incredible. I'm so glad that Kenny Feel It's getting recognition. Yeah, and it's an awesome song. song. Yeah, cool. I can't wait to hear it live. Yeah, they better bloody yeah. play it. Oh, surely they'd open the show with it. You would hope so. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we have a book that's just come out. Oh, man. <laughs> this uh, Anthony King, friend of the show, correspondent, live performance correspondent, Anthony King. I mean, he's the Tarrell Jackson of books. This guy just drops them out of nowhere. Like... He he uh, he released the classical music one only a few months ago, and um, just out of the blue, with no warning, he's got a new book out right now. It's called um, Anthony King's Guide to Michael Jackson's Dangerous Tour. I have not read it, but he has launched it with a killer YouTube video, which I have watched, and I recommend everybody watches it. He I don't know what he's doing right now, whether he's like just traveling through Europe, but he's visiting all of these locations that Michael Jackson performed in or visited and is doing these like blog things from them. And this one is fantastic because he's he's sitting in Munich's Olympic Stadium where Michael Jackson performed his History World Tour and MJ and Friends concert in 99. And I'm guessing, I'm not really sure, but I'm guessing his Dangerous Tour as well. Well, that's the book. Yeah, yes. you'd assume so <laughs> because the book's about it. Um, but anyway... <laughs> I am not familiar with the Dangerous concert in Munich, but I'm assuming it's there. But very, very cool video, and um, I can't wait to read the book. He talks about it as if it's full of exclusives. World MJ exclusives. Yes. So, Which, can I just say, is a word that I'm always very hesitant <laughs> to use, and we don't we don't use it, but we li- we literally could use that word in our promo. We have got many world exclusives in our episodes. Hot tip, we drop an MJ World exclusive on average like once a month. I I mean more in the special episodes. Yeah, yeah. When we interview someone, there is usually something that has not been told before. And I'm always shocked that other people don't really pick up on that. But we don't push that. I don't know. I just feel really uncomfortable about promoing our stuff with all of the world exclusives that we have in it. I do think it suits this book and its content. And knowing, I say that because knowing Anthony King, he is so diligent in his research, like next level stuff. 
this guy, the detail that he would dig down and find out, absolutely, he would be finding stuff out that is correcting misconceptions and mistruths and finding stuff out that people did not know before. That is what he's passionate about. He yep. says that in all his videos. He, ha- he, he is shocked that in so many books out there about Michael Jackson that there's so much incorrect information and it's his mission to go out there and correct the misinformation. And he, this guy's like a walking encyclopedia, let me tell you. He yep. knows that every date, every venue, every dance move, every wrong note, he knows everything about the live stuff. Yeah, he's got an incredible mind. We're going to have links in the show notes, which we spoke about earlier, so you know where to go. It's probably in your hand right now on the device you're listening to. If you're driving a car, get your phone out of your hand. Don't touch your phones when you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) When you get to your destination, you'll know where to look. But uh, yeah, the link to buy the book will be in the show notes. For sure. And tell us what you think about it. Hit us up because I haven't read it yet. No, but I think this one will be really awesome actually. Yeah, yeah. I might. I, I tried to look for it on iBooks, but it's not on there, so... Have to wait. I'll have to wait. Yep. I'm not a big Kindle guy. All right. Do you want to drop in another segment from a correspondent? Absolutely. Okay. How about we cross over to Stephen of Michael Jackson Fans for Charity, and he's going to give us a charity update on Michael Jackson charities around the world. Hi, guys, and welcome to another charity update. I wanted to start this time with a rundown of various charitable themes that the MJ estate have been involved in. We have started to see a seemingly increased effort in funding charitable projects by the executives of the estate, which I personally think is a great thing to see and long overdue. As I spoke about in a previous episode, the MJ estate partnered with the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation in connection with Michael's Diamond 60th birthday celebration, which we thought was a one-off. But it seems the estate is getting involved in various other charitable projects, which we will try and explain more about today. Many fans will know that Michael owned various pets over his lifetime due to his love of animals. He once said that he had such a good time with animals and had a wonderful relationship with them, and they really understand him. Bubbles, you may recall, was one of Michael's pets that probably became most famous. But whatever happened to Bubbles? Bubbles is still alive and well and living at the Centre for Great Apes Sanctuary in Florida in the United States. On their website they state, Jackson always maintained ownership of Bubbles, his first and favourite chimpanzee, whom he treated like a son. However, Michael did not include Bubbles in his will, as some erroneous news stories have claimed. As a result, we must continually raise funds from our supporters to provide care for Bubbles. However, in October, the centre announced a partnership with the estate, and the press release went as follows. In addition to the annual support for chimpanzee Bubbles care, the Michael Jackson estate has donated a very generous gift this year of $100,000 to help in our expansion of new chimpanzee habitats. And now, in honour of the Centre for Great Apes' 25th anniversary, the Jackson Estate has given another gift to help sponsor our celebration event on November the 10th in Key Biscayne. We are truly grateful that the estate honours Michael Jackson's love for his chimpanzee bubbles, as well as his generosity with charities. It has been brought to our attention that the estate have been supporting bubbles for the last two years, so it is great to see that the estate is ramping up efforts to support bubbles more and are contributing to the greater conservation of such amazing and still considered endangered species. As it seems the MGS state are finally utilising the 20% Michael left in his will for charities, we have now created a new page on our website called Impact, which will not only cover the money raised by a monthly giving project and other global fan projects via the global total list, which is now up to almost $400,000, 
but it will now also include all of the details of the estate's contributions via Michael's 20% left in his will, which we must not forget are, of course, Michael's contributions to the world still, which we should add to the thousands of dollars he has already given throughout his lifetime. The magic truly does live on. I wanted to give you an update on our Moonwalk Walks tribute, where we posted seven books around the world for Michael's 60th birthday celebration. We are very pleased to exclusively announce on the NJCast that we have finally posted book two to recipient travelling to Antarctica, and it is now well on its way south to the freezing continent to spread the word about our project and other charity initiatives. As usual, we will be posting photos of the books as they travel on our website and on Twitter using the hashtag MoonwalkWalks, so keep an eye out. Our Michael Jackson monthly giving project is currently sitting tidy on 51 monthly donors, and our early numbered slots for positions 22 and 50 up for grabs, so the next two fans that join our charity project will be members of the all-important First 50 Members Club. If you are interested in joining it, we'll give you a few simple facts about the project. Fans can join the monthly giving tribute project by simply committing just one unit of their home currency each month. After PayPal fees, 100% of this money goes into a pot. This pot is then given to a beneficiary at the end of the month, chosen by the same monthly donors that have contributed to the project. We are updating the project often and from January next year we'll be opening it up to allow personal appeals similar to grants to be considered for monthly donations by members. This means we'll be allowing members of the public to request funds for important charity initiative they want to carry out or we will be contributing to appeals already established on funding websites such as GoFundMe. As we proceed through 2019 we'll be looking into the applications and selecting those that pass certain criteria as to be considered by monthly donors by a usual online voting system. We can't wait to get cracking on this and we'll have more information about it on our website and social networks over the coming months. Last month, the project has been raising funds for the Disasters Emergency Committee's Indonesian Earthquake and Tsunami Aid Appeal, in which an earthquake measuring 7.5 on the 28th of September struck the Indonesian city of Palu. MJ fans around the globe assisted us in raising a total of 260 Great British Pounds or 350 US dollars, which has recently been donated to the DEC's appeal for emergency aid. Details of our payout and screenshots are also available as usual on our website's impact page at mjffc.org. This month we are raising money for mental health awareness and the beneficiary chosen was a charity Mind, so we hope there are fans out there that would consider giving a one-off small donation would even consider joining our project by pledging their £1 per month. I'm sure the MJ cast would like to join me when I say that there really is nothing that can't be done if we raise our voice as one. Thanks again guys and see you next time. Keep making that change. Well, it's always great to hear from Stephen. What a great guy. And it's always uh, important that we get kept up to date with what's going on in the charity space of the MJ world. So make sure you follow Stephen's social media and look up um, MJ FFC, Michael Jackson Fans for Charity, their website and our show notes as well so we can all contribute together to great causes. One last news item for the week. Friend of the show, Vincent Patterson, is selling... Uh, a very interesting item, the actual floorboards of Debbie Reynolds' studio where he rehearsed uh, and choreographed a range of Michael Jackson pieces, including Thriller. Vincent's done a great post on Facebook about it all. He's talking about the, the, these floorboards, are, they're laser engraved, they're proceeds from the floorboards actually go to two different charities. Donielle Artis, uh, a beautiful dancer whose kidneys are failing, 
Donnie L took class, auditioned and rehearsed in the studio. So some of the money will actually go to her. And then Dream a World, Bunny Hull's organization that brings dance, theater, art to kindergarten and uh, all the way up to third grade kids for 12-week sessions in the, in the poorest schools in LA. So these are, are two great causes. You can actually get an 11-inch piece of timber for $100, a 12-inch piece of timber for $150. Apparently, the um, pro, you know, it's all tax-deductible donations because it's uh, for a charity or charitable cause. And uh, like uh, Vincent says on his post, um, many, many artists poured their blood, sweat, and tears into this wood um, you know, including Michael Jackson, Madonna, Beyonce, Mariah Carey, Usher, Debbie Reynolds herself, Lucille Ball, and just pretty much everyone. <laughs> so you can own a bit of this timber. And and I thought of a few good things you could do with it as well. Like, you, I mean, obviously, it's just a bit of wood, really. Well, <laughs> an 11, 11 or 12 inches uh, piece of timber. But you could, I thought, you know, it'd be a nice thing that you could inset into like a frame or you could inset it into like a another existing piece of furniture like a table or i think it'd be a cool thing to be framed with a plaque or something but anyway i like that table idea that would be pretty cool yeah uh, something like that you know build it into an existing piece of furniture in your home i don't know very nice nice plaque on the wall like put it in glass with a little engraved plaque underneath it like michael jackson danced here and that would be awesome oh that's cool, cool. what a what a great way to save a piece of history that is sadly, you know, being lost and demolished. But uh, wow, that's awesome of Vincent to spend all that time like rescuing floorboards from a from a historical place, and uh, and then <laughs> using that for charity to to help contribute to two amazing causes. Because yeah, I, he's not getting paid for any of this. Like that's a lot of work to to do all of that. Such a nice guy. Sure is. And I love all the photos he's got on the post of him taking the timber home yeah. and cutting it and measuring it and cleaning it. and Really cool. Very awesome. Very cool. And don't forget, his autobiography was just released in France. We spoke about it in an earlier show. I was wandering in the rain Swift and sudden fall from
Hi, this is Michael Prince, studio engineer and producer with Michael Jackson, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Okay, listeners, now it is time for our main discussion topic, which is pretty much some random fan chat. Most of it's based on an article that we're going to be talking about uh, and some words from Sony Music CEO Rob Stringer. But then stay tuned to the post show because there's a whole lot more random fan chat back there. And I mean random (laughs) fan chat. That possibly was our original segment here and we've moved it to the back maybe this is a pickup who can say who can say (laughs) who can say but uh interesting article which may have dropped after our first recording session which talks about how there are no new michael jackson albums planned as the record label embraces a one-off singles model i'm going to start off Jamin with sharing the words uh, from Sony Music CEO Rob Stringer revealed in a recent interview that the strategy for rolling out unreleased MJ will pivot towards more one-off tracks and his reasoning. So a quote from Rob Stringer, we're constantly scouring the catalog for ideas but there are no plans at the moment to put any more full-fledged albums out. We are looking at one-off songs. In this streaming world, that works because it's a track-based world. There are a few gems out there that we may unearth individually over the next months and years, but we're also very, very careful to make sure the fan base doesn't feel like they've been asked yet again to buy material they have. We are very careful about repacking and extremely cognizant of the fan base that has everything. What's interesting with Michael is that not all artists have managed to bridge the gaps from the physical world to the iTunes world to the streaming world. But with Michael, that's not the case. His streaming numbers are incredible. The technology at the moment enables us to do something different and highlight different songs and create concepts that will lead people to a greater understanding of the wider catalogue of Michael's work. So we're going to have a little chat about that and your thoughts, Jamin, and then uh, listeners, let us know. Hit us up on social media with your thoughts. I think that... When you look back on the two posthumous Michael Jackson albums that have come out so far, Michael and Escape, and I'm talking about albums of original material, not um, you know re-releases of Bad or whatever. Or the Scream album and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't consider them to be Michael Jackson albums, personally. Like they are, like James said in the previous episode, and it really hit home to me massively what he said. It was the biggest aha moment I've had in a long time around Michael. He calls anything after 2009 um, that comes from the estate a Michael Jackson exhibit rather than a Michael Jackson product. And I I get that, and I fully, fully understand and, and agree with that. Um, I feel like Michael Jackson products were the products Michael released when he was alive. Anything else after that might have Michael in it somewhere, but it's exhibiting him rather than it's not a product he created. 
So, I mean, I don't even think of them on the same level anyway to start with. And for good reason, I think a lot of artists' posthumous albums do leave a bad taste in people's mouths, uh, mainly because of the way that the music is handled in them. Tupac, uh, lots and lots of different artists have albums come out after they die where the music is totally screwed with, like whether it's remixed or different featured artists or like just the music's always presented poorly, even even right down to how it's mixed. The, the artist isn't there to have a say in how it's mixed. So it sounds often sounds sort of different to what the artist would have wanted. So and and then on top of that, like the the albums, the format of these albums, they never sell. They never sell lots and lots of copies anyway, usually, because the artists aren't here to promote them. Escape did reasonably well off the back of the Justin Timberlake thing. But um more often than not, these albums sort of get buried away and they don't sell as much. And then you've got and then you've got a situation where you've got these really great tracks on them. Honestly, there are some great tracks on Michael and Escape that don't really get the mind share of the public in a big way because they never were given a proper platform. Like a good example of that is probably Best of Joy. To me, that's an excellent song, but it wasn't released as a single and it was on an album that sold very little copies. So who's ever really going to know about that song? It's buried now. Whereas if you follow the Rob Stringer model, these songs, we there. I mean, regardless of what he's saying about there's not many songs left, that's just not true. That's absolutely not true. Um, there are a range of songs left, and if they released one a year from now on, we would be getting Michael Jackson songs probably until we're very old. <laughs> but you're talking. You're, so, you're not talking about fully completed, you know, invincible level production ready to release completed songs. To be honest, if even if they just used those, I would say we would still have another. If they did one a year, we would have at least ten years of Michael Jackson's, maybe more, maybe twenty I don't, years. I don't years. think there's songs that many finished to that completed level. I can think of at least five right now. Okay, I can yeah maybe think of possibly that many, but and then and then there's ones that producers and engineers have spoken about that um, haven't heard, but I've, that have spoken about them. So I I do think that there are a range of songs that are completed that they could use. I learned the other day that a lead vocal was recorded for I Have This Dream. Like there's But that I doesn't le- mean I the song all is the finished. That doesn't mean it's like album ready to release tomorrow, print it on the C D. That doesn't mean that that is finished and ready to release. All the other artists recorded their portions for it as well in the day. So, like, there's, you know, Can't Get Your Weight Off Of Me, there's Throwing Your Life Away. There are a range of songs that are ready to go. I think that this is a good idea, personally, because I've seen the evidence in the, the posthumous albums just that, to me, it doesn't work. Good songs get buried and wasted in albums that don't sell much. So, yeah, I mean, there's no easy way to put music out. Like even in the, and if they choose to if they choose to do that model, if they choose to go, right, let's do one song a year or one song every two years, you know that it's not going to be the original song. No. You know it's going to be a remix or they're going to get Justin We're going to have the Justin Bieber duets. We're going to have the duet singles. We're going to have like the, was it the Drake thing? If it were me and... I'd love to hear what you think in a sec, but if it were me, I would basically do the Rob Stringer idea. I would release 
a song a year or a song every two years as a standalone song. But I wouldn't put it out just as like one song. I'd release the song as like an EP package, which would have the song, the acapella, the instrumental, maybe a remix, maybe an extended take or whatever that was longer than the original and just fill it out with four or five different elements or, or tracks. Maybe, yeah, maybe a B-side or something from the same sessions that with, without, you know, completed stuff. And you just put it out as a little mini set thing. That I think that's a good idea. And the reason I like that is because then fans who we know do awesome remixes could take those acapellas and instrumentals and, you know, do their thing with them. It'd be really fun. But that's just what I think. What about you? I think that, yeah, the track record for doing albums proves itself like never have they done it superbly well it's either been an utter horrendous train wreck of a disaster featuring absolute like horrendous criminal tracks with fake vocals which then bury amazing tracks like other songs on the album like yeah the one you're talking about uh, for me it would be um behind a mask which I think is an incredible vocal track. I didn't love exactly what they did with it, but the track itself and his vocals are phenomenal. Even even Hold My Hand, that was the single a single off the album. And I don't think it was really because it was associated with all of the controversy and the album, I don't think that that track got to shine the way that it deserved to because that track is a terrific track as well. Um, I guess they improved slightly with Escape when they gave us demos, like the original or a version of the originals. It might not have been the most current, last worked on version, but a version of the tracks, they included that in the special edition. So that was a little bit better. But I think their track record for albums speaks for itself like it they just can't seem to get it right and like you mentioned other artists that have passed they often just can't get it right and the sales are just not there because the artist is not there to promote it and they don't know how to promote these things without the artist yes the world now is a singles market you know this isn't the world that a Michael Jackson album really could hit number one. He's not here. We're not going to get record-breaking albums by Michael Jackson released now. That's like a fantasy that a lot of fans still have, and that is not the reality now. We don't live in that music market anymore. So this is the way to go. And if this is what they're considering, I can see the benefits of that market. It would give tracks like the attention they deserve. (laughs) I think he mentioned it, Liv. They're not going to give us just these original tracks. They're going to, they're going to monkey around with them and do stuff to these tracks. And, you know, we're going to be disappointed because it's going to be like the Drake song, don't matter to me where the collab was there, but we still haven't heard the actual vocals. We already know pretty much that that market of single things works because it's worked for Paul Anker. He's had three tracks. Massively. 
massive, big, successful, more than any other posthumous single release. He, with his three collaborations, has shown what he can do with it. It's worked for him using Michael's vocals that, you know, were on his songs. So we've sort of seen that it can work, but is it what we as fans want? Well, I mean, like James discussed with Andy and Elise on the Thriller 3D Roundtable, is it really us they care about? Are they sitting there thinking, hmm, Jamin and Q, they're longtime fans. What would they want? I know, original Michael recordings. Um, no, I don't think they're thinking that. I'm Not think- at all. I think they're thinking, they're going, oh, okay, we have this little bit of a vocal. Can we put that on an Ariana Grande collab and get that out and sell $2 million? Because, yes. you know, that's what they're thinking. And they're money makers. They're in it to make money. That and and that should be a part of it. Like, don't get me wrong. They their obligation is to make money for Michael's children. At the same time, I think a big part of it is artistic integrity. And as a longtime Michael Jackson fan, I don't care about the gimmicky crap they can do. I don't care. The estate should just be taking care of the authentic representation stuff. And and like I said. Yeah, give us the stems. Radiohead do that. Yes. Radiohead, Radiohead do things where they put all their song stems on their website and do competitions and say, cool, the best fan remix wins a thing. You know, like that's, you can still do the fun stuff, but give us the authentic stuff. But like you said, we're not the market. We're not the ones that are going to make the money. It's the no. Drake fans buying it. It's the Ariana Grande. It's the Bieber fans they're good. They're the ones that are going to bring in the cash. But don't you think they can be making the cash in other ways, like the clothing lines and all that stuff? That's how they can be drawing in the money they want. But in terms of just the art, just leave the art authentic, please. <laughs> oh, that, like, you, you know, you, we're talking in a bubble here. We're talking yeah. in an echo chamber. I want to hear if it was to be released, the pristine condition, high quality HD art as Michael left it. That's what I want. And that's what I would pay for. I don't want to pay for a Drake track or an Ariana Grande. This We're just using, you know, Ariana Grande as an example, because I thought that was a really good one that you mentioned. I don't want to buy those songs at this stage, if it was phenomenal, perhaps, but like, I still want to hear those don't matter to me vocal stems that they used in the Drake song without the vocal manipulation and stuff. I still want that. I st- and the th- I still think that there's the the market for other stuff that they haven't mentioned like Thriller 3D, the restored film, the making of which they also restored. Ghosts, which they've done a little bit of because they showed it in that awful remix video and they have mentioned for possibly in the future, concert footage to be restored and released. I would buy all of those. I want to see I want to see those things. And I, there is a market yeah. for that stuff as well, especially if they market it properly because we've seen it with Elvis stuff. Those concerts mm-hmm. that were released early 2000s on DVD, like the, I think there was an Aloha Hawaii one and the Las Vegas one with the black cover. 
you know, they were massive, massive, massive sellers and they marketed them very well and they were big sellers for quite a while. And if they had released the Bad Wembley concert with decent marketing and also a decent, you know, visuals as well, then they could have got that with that as well. So there's they're definitely the market for those other products that they should still consider releasing. But yeah, who I think we're not going to see that for quite a while. I think the way we're going to see it is these singles featuring Michael Jackson in other artists' work with the snippets and things like that. And I don't think we're going to get the little original stems for people to make remixes from because they're not going to make money from those remixes. They don't make money from remix by Nick and Single White Glove, SWG no. and stuff. They don't make money from that. So they're not going to give us it for free. I don't know. I'm not so sure about that because the thing, the way that the estate works now and Sony is they allow you to upload Michael Jackson stuff to YouTube, right? Like I could go on YouTube right now and upload Billie Jean and it would not be blocked. I know that because we put Michael's music in our shows. And when you put a, a thing on YouTube, you just basically can't make money off it. It tells you that there'll be an ad in front of it, but the copyright holders are going to make all the money off the views. So if they did release these stems and said, go and make your own fan remixes, and then people put them on YouTube, they would make the money off them. Uh, so They just haven't done that in the past, so I don't see it happening in the future anytime soon. No, I don't think it will either. No. And um, Okay, and on the note of what Rob Stringer says about they don't want people to have to spend money on the same stuff we've bought before, I, I don't believe that for a second. I think that's just a clever thing to say to try mm-hmm. and appease people. Look yeah. at Scream. Oh. What about it? Scream. That That is like the most obvious ever example of money grab for stuff people have already bought before. If they were genuine about that statement, they would have just made an official Apple Music and Spotify MJ Halloween playlist. Mm. And people could just use them. That's If they were genuine about that, they would just do that because more people do that anyway. More people, I can guarantee you that more people listen to a Michael Jackson Halloween playlist on Spotify than they do by Scream because oh, they want sure. a Halloween playlist. So I, I don't buy that. And, and also, I personally, if I was buying Michael Jackson products, uh, sorry, <laughs> if I was buying estate products these days, which I don't, but if I was... I wouldn't mind buying something again as long as it was worth it, like Bad 25, for example. Like I think we've talked about on the show before, re-release Thriller, sure, but give us all the alternate longer takes that didn't make it on the album. Yeah. I don't mind buying something again if you're getting quality with it. Dangerous 25, what they could have done with that would have been amazing, but they didn't, and that was you know such a big missed opportunity but there are other anniversaries coming up always for those albums. That's it. They could still do like, you know, an invincible anniversary thing with making of stems, like just the stuff that didn't make the album. They could still do that. They won't. Definitely. They won't. Actually, you just reminded me, Dangerous 25, that's um, the Dangerous Era more so than any other era is probably the one where we've heard the least leaked B-sides from. 
Teddy Riley is on the record saying Michael recorded in full a version of Blackstreet's Joy, mm. which, no, which no one's ever heard. At one point, he said he was in talks with the estate to see what he could do with it. I, you know what? I think that when Rob Stringer comes out and says there's not much left, I still stand by my original belief from years ago that a lot of producers that worked with Michael are holding on to tracks that they don't want to hand over um, because they know they won't be used properly or they're, or they're waiting to get the best deal they can for the song. Yeah, I think that's a fair fair guess. And I also think that they honestly have no idea what they have in their possession. Yeah. I, I think they've got so much stuff, video, uh, footage, artifacts, music things, hard drives full of stuff, and they literally have not gone through it and even discovered what they have and they wouldn't know how to catalogue it and they wouldn't know when it's from, they wouldn't know who's working on it, they wouldn't know a, a thing about how, most of the stuff they have in their possession and it's just too, too much money to, to organise and to do that, so why bother? What they need to do and... and um. That I I just think they need to hire, in all honesty, hire people like Damien and French fans, French fans, people <laughs> that know everything about Michael and quality. Hector, they need to actually hire people like that and say, "We'll pay you this amount of money to be our consultants." And yeah. when you know, they even need to hire a hardcore Michael Jackson fan slash historian to be an archivist <laughs> yes. in all honesty. Like yeah. that's that's what Star Trek does. I yeah. was watching and the same making as, of Star Trek the other yep. day. Same as Disney. It's the people that work in the archives are actual mega fans, kind of like they they are so passionate about the history and these artifacts. Yeah. So it looks like there might be some more bleak times ahead in terms of quality, authentic Michael Jackson products, but we'll take them as they come and critique them as they come. Rob Stringer, he's the Sony Music CEO. He's in uh, your little email list, isn't he? Yes, yes. So, uh, listeners, we have officially kicked off again our uh, hashtag remove Casio tracks now movement. This is a movement that... Sorry, Q. Can you just remind people of the dates of this little online campaign? Oh, I can't. I'm not good at that. I can't remember like the release dates and stuff like Damien can. I think when he said When does this it, campaign finish then? <laughs> I don't know. It's like in two weeks or something. But um, I think it's between... The campaign um, runs typically between the, the date that was the premiere of Breaking News and then the official launch date of the Michael album. Uh, we do this every year. We started it last year in collaboration with Damien Shields from A Truth Untold because we believe that the biggest travesty that's occurred since Michael's passing um, is the release of fake songs on a posthumous album. Uh, the, the problem is not resolved. Fans, family and collaborators have been calling out for the removal of these songs for a long time, but they're still not removed. And uh, they're, they're in stores right now. They're on iTunes. They're on... Spotify, they're on YouTube, they're everywhere, they're in shops and kids are still buying those songs now thinking they're Michael Jackson and fraudsters are still making money off them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not okay that those three songs are still on, on sale. Um, a lot of fans out there, or quote-unquote fans, will say things like, oh, just get over it or it's all right. 
but it's not all right. If you're a fan of Michael and you you were a fan of Michael's during the 2000s when he was protesting um, for his artistic rights, you will know in your blood that that's not okay. Those songs are still for sale. So we need to do something about it, and uh, we are doing something about it. Q, do you want to explain what we're doing? Yes, I haven't got the images here because I'm scared if I open up things, my ferrite will shut down and it will stop recording. But what we're doing, and I have to say, it's already been a success. I, I like It's only been going for one week and like people have already sent emails and that's all we want. That's that's our success is that we just wanted people to send emails. Whether we think they are realistically going to do what we have put as an example in our own emails, which is, Jamin, remove the songs from sale. Yeah, they uh, just need to do three things to make me happy. Yeah. Take the songs away from the retail stores, number one, remove them. Number two, uh, an apology to fans for releasing fake songs. And three, offering a refund to anybody that actually wants to get a refund for the Michael album if you've still got your receipt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, So that's, you know, that's what we've put uh, in our sort of guide text email. Do we think those things are going to happen next week after they get a whole bunch of emails? No, we, we don't realistically we know that someone's not going to go oh okay let's go organize that next week but the point of this is to remind them that we have not forgotten and that we will not forget until it is resolved so we've already got across social media many many screen caps of emails that fans have sent in to the dozens. list dozens to the to the listed email addresses that we can share and that's that's i've been so happy seeing those because that's all we've asked that's to me that's a success people have really i think more than last year even have sent emails yeah. in there's a lot of people that did send in emails last year they've done it again and then I've seen new people, new listeners to our show and new people on our social media have done it this year for the first time. And some have yeah. been pages long, very, very in-depth, beautifully written, very lovely to read emails. And some have been one line and that's it. And both are just as effective as the other. That's exactly right. Now, if you want to find details out, out on what to actually do, who to send the emails to and what to write. If you want an example, I've got one for you. You just need to go to themjcast.com slash remove hyphen Casio hyphen tracks hyphen now. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you go to that website, it'll have details of who you have to email. There's five people. Rob Stringer, CEO of Sony Music. John Branker and John McLean, co-executives of the Michael Jackson estate, and then Howard Weitzman and Zia Madaba, who are lawyers for the Michael Jackson estate and Sony Music, respectively. There's an email under that. You can copy and paste it and personalize it as well. Put your own little story in there and your name and, and send it off to those people and remind them that we're not just Michael Jackson fans that are going to buy whatever they give us all the time because we don't care. We are Michael Jackson fans that care about his legacy and want him to be respected. And we'll fight for that. Yep. Easy as 
If you can send a tweet, if you can do a Facebook post, if you can do an Insta post, you can goddamn send an email. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's one little cool side effect when you've done it is you feel really good. <laughs> when you've actually done it and you click send, it's like, huh, yeah, I did do something for MJ. Yeah, I did something. <laughs> it's so easy. What gets me are like, you know, we, we listen to Michael all the time. We watch his concerts all the time. And I don't know how many hours a week you devote to Michael these days, but I know that I, I you know, overnight time, I usually chuck an album on sometimes. And, you know, I'm still listening and engaging with his stuff all the time. So if I've got time to do that, I've got time to send an email. Mm-hmm. Look how much he's given us to enjoy. The least we can do is give back through, through raising our voices. Yes, raise your voice, stand up. Michael didn't teach you in songs to sit there and do nothing. Put your hands uh, behind your back and just ignore things. What songs did he sing that taught you to do that? There were none. So if you spend, if you're an actual fan and you've listened to the words and you understand them, I think you would be not sitting there as injustices happen you would actually be the type of person that would listen to michael's music and want to stand up and make that change so send your emails in hashtag remove casio tracks now make sure you send us a picture or a screenshot of your email you can either if you want you don't have to but if you don't want, have to because we will share it if you want and if you don't want us to share it with your name attached we can do that as well yeah, um, send them yeah. through to the MJCast at iCloud.com or tweet us at the MJCast with the images or even just drop it in our main uh, pinned Facebook post at the moment. You can put it there as a comment and we'll get it out there for people to see. Yeah. That, you know what? If you're on Insta or Twitter or whatever now, just actually put that hashtag in, click on it, and you'll see examples. Click on the hashtag remove Casio tracks now. You'll find it all there. So, yeah. Yeah, and things in general with the Casio tracks, things are, you know, continuing on um, and heating up. So Vera Sarova has um, recently submitted uh, the case to the Supreme Court um, of California. And if you want to see the court uh, documents around that, you can go to the mjcast.com slash Casio case. And also in front of the show, Damien Shields is hard at work prepping his expose audio documentary podcast, Faking Michael, which I'm hearing is probably going to be launching at this stage very early next year in 2019. Fingers crossed. We've both been interviewed already. (laughs) (laughs) We've got something which we did forget to mention before. What? We have a new correspondent. Or two. Two Two for the price of of one because we're (laughs) cheap asses (laughs) We pay terribly, so <laughs> yeah, we got a new correspondent segment for you. Uh, you know, we're not experts; we never claim to be experts. And if there's better people to talk about things and share their uh, expert opinions and experiences, then we will defer to them. So you, you've met them before, Courtney and Cam of the Janet Today podcast. They're going to be our new Janet Jackson correspondents. And of course, like so far this season, you and myself and maybe Elise, if she's been on the show, have spoken about Janet news. And in Yannicka's segments, often she will speak about different Janet Jackson news as well. Uh, but 
Yannicka and Jackson Source are more focused sometimes on the brothers and other family members like Jafar and Austin Brown and 3T and things like that, uh, as well as Janet. But I think I love putting a focus on people and their amazing products. And, and really, Janet today is like our sister show because we're the Michael and Jackson's show and Janet was the sister. So that's like Courtney and Cam of Janet Today are like our sister show. So what better people really to go and talk about Janet than Courtney and Cam of Janet Today, our new Janet Jackson correspondence. Hi, this is Courtney. And this is Cousin Cam from the Janet Jackson podcast. Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever. We are delighted to have been asked to be the Janet Jackson correspondents for the MJ cast. And we are here with our very first Janet Jackson update. On November 4th, Janet received the EMTV Global Icon Award. She's the 10th recipient, just the second woman, the first being Whitney Houston, who won the award in 2012. Yeah, other previous recipients included Queen, U2, Paul McCartney. So Janet's in good company. And her performance once again was iconic and legendary. I love Janet. This performance blew me away. Yeah, the performance was top notch. I really didn't know what to expect. You know, all we had been told really was that she was going to do a performance of Made for Now and that there would be a medley, but we didn't know what the medley would be. And from the very beginning, like she had my attention. She had the fire. She had the drums. She had the long cloth that kind of trailed her as she walked center stage barefoot. Like she did not come to play with y'all. She did not come to play. <laughs> yes. I was like, Janet, put some shoes on, but keep dancing. Keep dancing. <laughs> And I must say her, including Rhythm Nation, that mix was fire. Yeah. So the medley ended up being basically made for now Rhythm Nation and all for you. And that Rhythm Nation performance was amazing. And Janet really put on a show. Yes. She outdanced everyone on the stage from start to finish. At first I thought like, is is she off or are they off or what's going on? But like, no, Janet was on point, but she had the enthusiasm. She had the energy. She was giving everything that she had. Yeah, she definitely was in beast mode. I think she had a couple of Red Bulls that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I want to talk about her acceptance speech. To me, this speech was probably the most personal that I've ever heard. When she was talking about the fact that women who have been emotionally and physically abused and that she was one of those women, I felt it. And I think Janet, once again, used her platform to bring attention to issues that's going on today. Yeah, I really respect and admire her for doing just that. This speech really should have been about her and you know her legacy, but she used that time to talk about women and women's issues and unity and equality. Mm-hmm. And that's just who she is. She didn't have to do that. And she continues to do that. Her speech was amazing. Um, I thought it was really well crafted. And I thought it was a speech really for such a time as this. And I think that we can't overlook the fact that she gave this fire, uplifting, feminist speech <laughs> while wearing a vibrator around her neck and looking good doing it. Ah, <laughs> uh, Legends do legend things. 
we really stand a queen. We do. So this year, Janet has received the Billboard Icon Award, the BMI Icon Award, and the EMTV Global Icon Award. The icing on the cake to this year would really be if she finally gets that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nod. Yes. So Janet has received her third nomination for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hopefully, third time is the charm. Yes, please be the charm third time. Please be the charm. (laughs) I need y'all to vote. (laughs) Yes. Fans get the vote, too. So if you're listening, if you can hear the sound of my voice, you need to make your way to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame webpage and vote for Janet Jackson. Janet is currently in sixth place on the fan ballot. And I think she's behind like The Cure, uh, Def Leppard, Stevie Nicks, all worthy folks. Mm-hmm. But worthy. we need to get Janet Jackson into the Hall of Fame. The top five who receive the most votes from the fan vote will get essentially an extra vote toward their Hall of Fame chances. So we, the fans, need to do our part. We want to show her our love with our votes. Yeah. And now is the time. Because it's long overdue for Janet to receive the recognition that she deserves. Yeah, yeah. And when we just look at Janet's record, we know that it should have already happened. She's one of just four artists to have a number one album in each of the last four decades. The others being Barbra Streisand, Bruce Springsteen, and U2. She's had 18 consecutive songs break the top 10 in the Hot 100 singles chart. And is the only artist in Billboard history to have three different albums, Control, Janet, Jackson's Rhythm Nation, and Janet, to spawn at least five top 10 hits on the Hot 100. Yeah. She's been, for a long time, the lone Black feminist voice in the highest echelons of music. Yeah. First African-American woman to be nominated by the Grammy Commission for Best Female Rock Performance. Yeah, yeah. Her whole career is rock and roll. Let Janet in. Let Janet in. Let Janet in. Let Janet in. (laughs) Before we go, Made for Now, now it has a Latin version where Janet actually sings it in Spanish. Good luck finding it. So far, we've only been able to find it on Napster, which. Right. I've only been able to hear like 30 seconds of it. So the 30 seconds was fly. I think that if you can get your hands on it, I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. And Uh, I got to find Napster first. (laughs) Right. Like, I didn't even know Napster was still a thing. (laughs) I was like, we're still doing that? Well, I can't say nothing because I have a Hotmail account. You do. You do. Which which I said I was going to stop talking about. But really, that's it for now. Uh, If you need more Janet Jackson, and we know that you do need more Janet Jackson, please subscribe to our podcast. Janet Jackson podcast, Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever. On each episode, we explore a Janet Jackson song and video in detail, as well as discuss the latest news. You can find our podcast on your favorite provider at JJ Today Pod or on Twitter at JJ Today Pod. Find links to the podcast in our bio. All right, cuz, till next time. All right, and now back to the MJ cast. All right, great little segment there. Really happy that we can have cousin Courtney and cousin Cam on the uh, on the on the MJ cast doing our little Janet roundups. So thank you very much, ladies, and and what an awesome time it is for Janet fans right now. Um, she is doing her thing.
What's up, everybody? This is Judith Hill, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Finds of the week. Finds of the week. You go first. Um, okay, so my find of the week is um, a viral dancer, Salif. I have no idea how to say that last name. Gui? Gui or something? I don't know. French listeners right now are probably going to rage at me. Sorry, Hector. Um, anyway, so uh, yes, there is a dancer in France and he dances on the street. Um, what are they called? He's a busker. Like, what? Can you be a dancer busker or is that just music? No, a, a street perform, a street artist, a street performer. a street artist, but a busker. He gets tips okay. and other random things. Apparently, he is a busker and he dances. And I saw a video of him on Instagram. I don't know whether he did the Ellen thing before this. He must. No, have. it was I after. It was, it was after. after. That's how he got famous because of that That's, clip okay. that you saw. So I saw the one where he was doing like rock with you, and it was actually Karen Fay who shared it. I think, um, and I yeah. Really, really liked it. I just this guy knows how to move. Um, really smooth dancer. And the thing I like about him is he does doesn't do MJ moves. He does like his own moves and own interpretations of Michael's style, which I really like. Um, in a lot of ways, I prefer watching that sort of thing to watching um, just straight up impersonation. And um, anyway, so then he went on the Ellen DeGeneres show and danced and got interviewed and it's a really great watch i recommend you watch it he's a really big mj fan and that is my find of the week i love this guy q have you seen the clips yes the moonwalk one to like that he did on the streets in uh paris i guess it was um with just that the smoothest moonwalk you've pretty much ever seen anyone else do it was crazy smooth it was amazing crazy smooth it's Crazy. like where you really see the illusion, right? Oh, my like, God, yeah. It was really well done. And that totally went viral all over the internet. And then, yeah. No, he um, performed to Black or White on the Ellen Show and just, you know, freestyled lots of MJ stuff and did his own little performance bits. And that was really, really cool and definitely worth checking out. And you can find those links in the show notes. Q, you have a find. I can't decipher what it is in our show notes. It just says podcast. Does that mean yeah. our show is your find of the week? No, it is not our show. Uh, we've <laughs> spoken a few times about <laughs> great production radio show kind of things done by John Cameron. Right, yes. Yes, his stuff is now available on Apple Podcasts and I'm imagining Finally. other podcast apps as well. And it was the best thing ever. I was so happy. So uh, John Cameron, uh, he's got a podcast called Musicology. You can find it by searching for John Cameron and maybe hashtag JCS, JC's Musicology. And there are... Let's have a look. There's like the first season is up on things. So I didn't know that some of these had actually been put up last year, by the way. You didn't know either. September last year. I don't think it was on. Was it online last year? I know he was well, doing it doesn't stuff it have the upload for date? a really long time. Yeah, I'm not sure whether that's the upload date or that you can manually change a published uh, date. Okay, I'm not well, sure. Maybe, maybe this is the broadcast version of the first episode, the Janet, Jam and Lewis, Deconstructing 30 Years of Music, that he won an award for, I believe. Um, yeah, so good. That is on here, which I am 
absolutely thrilled about because that was amazing. There's like a making of to accompany that, which is over an hour as well. Uh, deconstructing nine months of making the Janet Jam and Lewis special. Then there's the Michael Jackson episode, 1988 to 1993. And I re-listened to that this week. And of course, you know, I guess some people would know that because that's where Men in Black leak was heard for the first time by a lot of people. It talks about the evolution of decade and how it turned into dangerous and speaks about a lot of tracks from like Keep the Faith to Gone Too Soon to even Earth Song. There's George Michael episodes. There's little quarterly review episodes as well, which he talks about George Michael and Prince episode that never went to air and the Michael episode. There's Joni Mitchell, uh, Sade and Maxwell. There's a Janet episode, 1992 to 1995. So, yeah, I'm just... That's my find of the week because if you... I don't know, like, if you love really great quality audio documentary sort of style podcasts that feature sometimes never heard audio clips of tracks and evolution of tracks and things like that, this guy's got it down pat and literally is award-winning. I'm pretty sure he won that award for the for the Janet show. And I think it's a great thing that this is now available on podcasts because it makes it so much more accessible to people that maybe don't have the time to listen to it sitting down at a computer at home or via a digital radio station like that, but they can now listen to it on the go as a podcast. So yeah, go search for it. I've subscribed. I've listened to a couple of things that I had heard when they were just via a website, but now I get to hear them in the car driving to work. That's my find of the week. Yeah, it's um, actually really great stuff. And the reason I like them is because, well, first of all, they're exquisitely produced. Like, they are so well produced. They're the sort of quality you'd hear on a really well-produced radio show, like you said. And um, I think as well, for people like... um, that have an interest in the evolution of Michael's music, John really puts a focus on the art, which is always a good thing. It's sort of... I I haven't been to a seminar like a Brad Sundberg seminar... These are very similar to that. I have to say, that's actually, yeah, a really good point. I should have thought of that immediately. Um, It's like almost going to a Brad Sundberg seminar. Yeah, and I think, like, it gives people the chance to have that experience that that may not be able to afford or may not be able to logistically get to a seminar. Or maybe Brad's not coming to them. (laughs) You know, like, it just... And hot tip, by the way, we've got a great episode with Brad Sundberg from earlier in a different season, uh, which gives a terrific element that you would experience going to the seminars. Some great stories told in that episode, by the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, I think John's stuff's really good for that, for the people who don't may not get a chance to go to a, a seminar so they can enjoy that little thing as well, that, that feel. And uh, it's a really great time to be getting into John Cameron because I'm pretty sure he promoted the other day on Twitter that he's got another MJ episode coming out soon, which is going to be about the history era. Oh, my God. So that's one of his next ones coming oh out. Oh, my God. That will be amazing. Yes. So that's something to look forward to as we go into the Christmas period.
Well, that was a uh, serendipitous timing for my find of the week. Yeah, actually, um, you know, we have a couple of good things to look forward to. We talked earlier about how the estate isn't going to be doing anything for the rest of the year, probably. Um, you mean they're not doing I- Dangerous 25? <laughs> they're not. <gasps> Stop but- asking for that, people, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I think it's funny that they do because it's like turned into a meme now where it's like it doesn't matter what they say. Yeah, but some people are asking and it's the meme and it's funny. Like they're like, you know, don't give me Dangerous 25. That I can get. But legit, there are some people out there and they go, why are they not giving us it? I'm like, it was too late, people. Like you need to be wanting Dangerous 30. Some people have literally not let go of it and they seriously want them to release it still. They're the people I mean. The ones that are doing it funnily. Heck, I think I've commented stuff and said, give us Dangerous 5 as a joke, but some people are being serious. Yeah. They're probably like working on a Michael Jackson animated Christmas special that's animated by people that aren't as good as Year 7 digital technology (laughs) students. But anyway... um, uh, anyway, what I was saying was that uh, since we can't expect anything from the people in charge of doing things, um, we can probably rely on fans to do a better job, which they always do anyway. And we're getting yes, a John Cameron thing. And we're getting a Andy Healy book on Invincible as well before Christmas. So. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. Because we've got and a show we got to an do Anthony for King it. Thing. We got, we got There's always an Anthony King thing. Yeah. <laughs> fans are the ones always carrying the load. <laughs> There is. Oh, you can great. count on Anthony King to be putting stuff out. What did he tell me the other day? He said he's got eight books lined up, ready to go. That's what I mean. Like, that's what I mean. We're going to be having Anthony King books for the next four seasons. Yeah, we will. We're going to have to talk to him. We'll have to get him on an episode. And <laughs> we haven't had him on a long yet. episode. <laughs> Strap yourselves in, folks. Anthony yeah, King part four. That'll be a long episode, I can guarantee. Oh. <laughs> uh, So in no particular order, the tracks that we have played today, we've got the Jacksons. It's the Jackson 5 medley from the Victory Tour live in Toronto, 1984. I think there's going to be a few people voting for that one. Uh, We've got a track, Stranger in Moscow, the Reacts Progressive Trance Mix uh, Michael Jackson's song from the History Album, of course. It's one that I sent you and Damien a while back, Jamin, and you said you liked it. So hopefully other listeners will like it as well. And we've got a very, very special track that we've played that was from a friend of the show, John Cameron, who was, you know, my find of the week this week uh, for his musicology podcast, which is now available across podcast apps as well. Uh, it's a song um, that he featured in the sort of like the making of episode of his Janet Jam and Lewis uh, Janet special. And then he released like a sort of sequel episode to that with all the outtakes and, and clips and segments that didn't make it. And one of them was this Pleasure Principle remix that he created himself. And I was like, I think more people need to hear this because it is pretty, pretty special and very, very well made. So that was our other track featured in today's episode 91. So head to Twitter and uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks, there'll be a poll going up for your favorite music break of this episode, episode 91. 
hashtag the MJ cast EP91 and you can vote on your favorite that we've played today. Any predictions on the winner, Jamin? Um, it's a tough one. I would say probably hmm I I Janet doesn't usually do really well in our polls because we're a Michael Jackson podcast, unfortunately, as much as I do want her songs to do well. Uh, so I would say it would come down to between the medley or stranger. Um, I'm going to go with stranger in Moscow. Okay. I'm going to go with the medley. I think that right. might take it out this week at the, for the episode 90, it looks like the winning song is your amazing and epic show opener with the stranger things Two thriller mix how did um the that techno dancey remix of somebody's watching me go oh okay let me see if i can quickly check for you and hopefully this won't i'm doing it on my phone via the phone while that skype's happening um and i will tell you so that was the No Idols remix of Somebody's yep. Watching Me. So at the moment, there's still, there may be a couple of hours left to vote when this episode drops, perhaps. Depends how quick you get this edited together. But at the <laughs> moment, that's uh, not last. It's second oh. last, 16%. Uh, I like yeah, it. Groofunkle remix is 12%. That's the last one. So the Groofunkle <laughs> remix of Thriller, that's actually shocking. I'm really surprised at that. Ajax's multi-track mix of Ghosts is sitting on 24%. Stranger Things season two mix that you made the epic show opener out of 48%. So well done with that, man, because that was Woo. the most epic show opening I think we've ever had. <laughs> It's going to be going in the mixtape, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay, we'll figure that out. That will be really cool. I can't wait. Awesome. All right, folks. Yeah, that's episode 91. That's about it. I'm going to say thank you to our correspondent, Stephen, from Michael Jackson Fans for Charity. Go over to that site, which will be in the show notes, and you'll be able to help out, contribute, donate to charity, and Michael's name, carry on his legacy want to say thank you to Yannicka from Jackson Source over there for helping out and always representing the Jacksons so well. And thank you to our newest correspondents, Cousin Cam and Courtney from Podcast Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever. And if you haven't, and you like Janet Jackson, you are missing out. Go and check that, that podcast and subscribe if you are ha- new listener to us, you can subscribe to our podcast. Not all episodes are this ad hoc and relaxed <laughs> and short. This isn't a super long episode. Um, we have special episodes which feature interviews with collaborators, authors, artists, people that have worked and are inspired by Michael Jackson. And we do those fairly regularly, often more regular than the news episodes like this one. So you can subscribe to us via any podcast app that you can search and find us. We are the MJ cast. And we're on social media all over the place. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, just search the MJ cast, Twitter at the MJ cast. We'll be there ready to chat. Yep. Yep. And email 
the mjcast at icloud.com. We love getting those emails. Yep. Drop us a line. Tell us that you enjoyed the show. And yeah, thank you for listening. And extra special thank you and actually a little bit of love and a big Q hug for those that share the show via your social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, I don't care, whatever. Tell a fan, a Michael Jackson, Jackson's family fan about the show. Share the show, share the love. That'll be great. You'll be my favorite. (laughs) I thought I was your favorite. Yeah, because you share the show. I share the show. I'm the first one to share the show. You are. I'm the original sharer. Yes, you are. Hope everybody has a great fortnight ahead. Keep Michaeling. Thank you for tuning in and for sharing the show, listeners of the MJ cast. This has been Q. Michael on. Hey, wish me luck. I've got exams coming up this month. Oh, man. I know you're stressed yeah. about those. You'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already stressed about those. You'll be fine. Oh, man. Thanks, man. But yeah, wish I don't me know luck. why you're stressed. You've literally never failed one. No, not at all, but I could. You'll be fine. You're probably it's the, the best theory stuff. The, they've got. The pra- the, yeah, but it's not an exam on being smiley and friendly and stuff. It's. When you do and the I'm exam, the- do they get you to stand up and do the exit procedure thing? Like your arms have, you know, out the front and to put the, the gas thing on and do they get you to do that? No, it's like legit stuff. It's like opening aircraft doors, ordering evacuations and getting people outside. It's doing that. It's the, uh, the scary stuff you never see. Fighting fires yeah. and putting up electronic, you know, personal electronic devices when someone's dropped their iPhone and it's, sparking and going to catch a lithium battery on fire and, you know, launching rafts. And it's all the scary stuff that you don't see. I'm good at all the practical stuff. It's the theory stuff because they love to change wording of stuff. And often we need to know things word for word in theory. So we've got like six manuals that are like phone book thick size. So when Mm. they change a little thing in that, it's the theory stuff I get mega nervous about and there's so many numbers we need to remember like you know minimum uh you know and every aircraft is different so the lighting the emergency lighting will last longer on this model aircraft compared to that one but you need to know them you need to know Mm. how long oxygen will last out of that little mask that drops out of the ceiling and every single aircraft is different uh and you know what numbers to call on the phones actually the phone stuff's easy but yeah it's all the little hammer and the equipment locations like it's very different having to answer questions about say like a blueprint than actually being in the environment and knowing that there is an oxygen mask and oxygen cylinder directly to your left and behind you but when you're looking at a blueprint it's very different 
Yeah. Flight attendants have exams all the time, people. So give them some love. Go buy them a Starbucks gift card or something. Mm -hmm. Someone told me once that people that work on aircraft, like pilots and flight attendants, are... A big part of the hiring process is making sure that those people are the kinds of people that are going to, that are going to personality-wise, psychologically, remain calm in terrible situations. Yes. Do you think if something was really wrong, like the, the plane was going down, do you, do you think you'd be cool, calm, and collected even in that moment when everyone's screaming around you? Yes. Because I would, I would want that. Like, if, if it was happening, I'd be, man, I'd need you there to, like, I'd be inconsolable. I'd be absolutely. That's why people need to pay attention to the safety demonstration because we're not there to baby you at the time that you might need it. We're there to actually literally shout commands in your face. Yeah. So you never think people- about that, do you? Like, you, no. I think about the aircraft going down and I'm thinking you're there like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Nothing's going to, you know, like in your health. And no, you're like army general right there. Yes. Get out. You need to get out. Yes. Because people will be reacting not great and they need to be focused and stuff like that. Wow. There's different hats. The service hat is very different to the safety hat. Mm. So when people go, flight attendants were panicking and yelling for us to put masks on and stuff, it's like, well, that's because you've not got it on correctly because you weren't paying attention to the safety demonstration and you're too busy filming it and people need to yell to get to the other people that can't see and hear. So people yeah. are not panicking. They're actually literally shouting commands at you. It blows my mind thinking of it that way. We only ever see the the, the consumers, we only ever see and think about the friendly, polite service side of the flight attendant we never think about that whole other side which is like the critically important side of like when stuff goes down they're the ones that are you know handling the situation yeah so important and it's like the rarest of occasions oh yeah literally and if you are involved in like an airplane incident like the survival rate is like something like 96 percent it's rare, but it's like, um, okay, I'll tell you what scares me about aircraft incidents, okay? And I stand by this. I know it's rare, and I know it happens way less than, a cu- than car accidents, which happen, like, all the time. But like, percent less. But, like, to me, like, if you're in a car accident and something goes really bad, you've got, like, a, you got a chance. If you're in a plane and something goes really bad... You've got 96% chance that you'll be fine. And survive. Mm. The rates of survival in an airplane accident are something like 96%. I, I seriously am terrified of flying. I'm so scared of flying. You travel a fair bit, man. I know, and I'm still really scared of it. Like, and it, I'm over the takeoff and landing side Literally, of it now. Like, I don't, I'm you should scared, be but- far more scared by driving to the airport. Car drivers are cray-cray. Car crashes happen... Like, do you know how many people have died from car accidents, like, in the last, oh, my God, I can't remember. But, like, since cars were invented, something like, it's millions of people, like, like two million plus have died in car accidents. I know. i got to get over it. It's a psychological issue. I just can't, yeah, flying scares me. I don't want 
people to drive cars. I just want the cars to drive themselves because then accidents will stop happening unless they're caused by people. Mm, I agree. I'm ready for that because then you can get in the car and do other stuff the whole time. I could record an episode with you on the way to work. You could, literally. I bought some Michael t-shirts this week. I finally got Dangerous World Tour Michael Jackson shirts. Oh, that one looked great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I went and saw them all. They looked, that one looked really good. Yeah, so a few episodes ago, I think it was the maybe the one I did with Damien and Elise. Uh, and I spoke about Culture Kings, their range of MJ stuff and how ridiculously overpriced it was, and I still stand by that. And then I spoke about Cotton On, a uh, clothing brand that I know is in Australia and I think has expanded somewhat overseas. They had an online exclusive limited edition black denim dangerous jacket. So it was like a black denim jacket with the dangerous on the back and it was limited to 250 and I was, and it was very reasonably priced at like 70 bucks. And I was mega pissed off that it had sold out before really anyone had the chance to know about it. And I was really annoyed by that. Still am annoyed by it, by the way. Um, but they've expanded their in-store range and online range. There's, I I'm, don't know whether it will still all be available by the time this show comes out in a week after recording. Um, but there was a white denim jacket with Beat It on the back for $80 for sale at Cotton On, which I still think is pretty reasonable. I probably can't, I'm not going to get that because I can't be trusted to wear white really all that much because I spill food and drinks on me <laughs> pretty much daily. So it would not stay white for long. It looked all right, not as cool as the dangerous one. And I don't know what outfits a white jacket would go with compared to wearing a black jacket. But, um, I remember you wearing a white jacket once. Yes, and that's one of the very few occasions I've worn it. Mm. Yeah, and even then it's a bit grubby from wearing it those few occasions. So, But they've also got uh, a range of MJ t-shirts in their big music shirt range at the moment, which this week it was like two for 30 bucks, which is pretty bloody amazing value. On their individual prices, it's $20 a shirt. Now, I saw these on uh, Paulie's, Paulie D um, over on the East Coast uh, in Australia. He, I think his wife got him the shirts and he made a little video and put it in the uh, Michael Jackson Australia fan page that we've, there is like a fan group in Australia, Michael Jackson Australia fans or something like that. And I saw that he'd put a video up of it and I was like, oh my God, that's actually pretty cool. Need to go check if they've got them. So I went past a shop the other week hunting for Michael Jackson t-shirts, which is such a rare thing you can say these days. Like, that's such a cool thing. I went to a shop to look for Michael Jackson t-shirts. To say that in 2018 is pretty cool. And they didn't have any in stock. And I was visiting a friend that day who is transferring within his company and he's actually going to be working as some mega area manager for Cotton On. And he said, why didn't you tell me about that jacket? And I was like, well, it was gone before I knew about it. And, he, and I was told him about these T-shirts. And um, he goes, 
I can get those for you cheap. So he went online and he found them and um, I got a couple of sizes because I wouldn't Ooh, know what size I was. And they got delivered really quickly and they were a good price. But then because I'd gone past the store and the lovely staff there had said, oh, well, you know, I'll phone around and see if any other stores, bigger stores got them. And also because we're on the West Coast, we often get stuff a bit slower uh, because of like transport time and stuff. And I actually called back and said, hi, we got some shirts that you wanted. I was like, oh, okay. So I said, uh, I'll come past Thursday. So I went past this week and they had the whole range of T-shirts at least. I didn't see the jacket. So they had the Dangerous World Tour, Bad World Tour, a black one with Michael and a fedora. I actually bought that as well because I thought, well, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I'm pretty excited about the Dangerous World Tour. I bought two, so because they're 20 bucks a shirt, they are not the most super amazing quality. And they're sort of already, they look like, you know, band t-shirts where, you know, they've been through the wash a few times. It's very faded, isn't it? Like on purpose, the Dangerous Yeah, it's, yeah, I wouldn't say very, very faded, but like it's got the- It's a funny colour. It's like greeny. Mm, not mine. Mine looks all right. But the fabric itself, the black fabric, it's like it looks worn. And the white one for the Bad World Tour looks very worn. It looks like an old white T-shirt that has been worn for years. I didn't want that one because it didn't look crisp and white. But um, the Dangerous World Tour one, it's got print of the Dangerous album cover on the front and then... Michael Jackson, Dangerous World Tour across the back with a whole bunch of um, one of the legs cities all listed there. And like, you know, I see Instagram photos of hot guys with bleach blonde hair wearing Dangerous World Tour Michael t-shirts on our Instagram and stuff. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. So I was pretty excited to get one of them or two. So I got two. So if one wears out, I have a spare. I um, found out about them, well, not only from the show that you did, but I was standing outside Boost Juice at my favorite shopping center in the world, Carindale, and um, there was a, a girl there wearing one oh, like, man. next to me. And I was really? like, I, yeah, cause, but I didn't know it was like a cotton on one because I, I didn't connect that in my head. And so I saw the shirt and I was like, Lee, Lee. And I was like nudging her. And I was like, look, look, look what she's wearing. Oh, my God. And I get really nervous talking to people I don't know, like... Um, I got very shy. So I built up the courage and I was like, where did you get that shirt? That's so cool. I'm such a huge MJ fan. And she, <laughs> and I was kind of, I felt a bit let down when she told me, but she was like, oh yeah, I just work at Cotton On. We have them there. <laughs> I thought she was going to be a big time fan and I was going to tell her about the MJ cast and stuff. But she was like, yeah, I'm just an employee at the, um, Cotton On. So, <laughs> And then I went there and, and said g'day to her again and saw all the shirts and it was cool seeing up seeing him up on the racks. I was For like sure. you. I, I was like, I had to pinch myself. I'm like, wow, it's 2018 and there's MJ stuff everywhere. This is just the sort of thing that is good for his brand, I feel. Yes. Because, yeah, I mean, we've talked on the show before about how like I, I feel a great tension in terms of the rumors and garbage around Michael Jackson versus the awesome performer Michael Jackson competing for like the mind share of the public all the time. You feel that tension and that sort of tug of war. So it's these kind of things that impact kids positively around the, you know, what Michael Jackson is actually famous for, which is just being a totally badass 
dude and performer. Yeah, absolutely. So, cool kids are out there wearing Michael Jackson T-shirts. Hot yeah. girls, hot guys are out there wearing Michael Jackson T-shirts. Okay? Yeah. A point that I discussed with um, my mate Paul Black earlier in the year when I caught up with him was like, stuff like that is happening now. 20 years ago, when we wanted to wear a Michael Jackson T-shirt, we'd fear getting beat up. We were the ones getting teased. You know, we were the dorks and the nerds and the losers. We were the losers. We were the ones wearing Michael Jackson clothes. And now... It's not. It's becoming cool and mainstream. And that's a good thing. I just figured out what we need to do for the show art for this episode. Okay, I, we need to put a side-by-side picture of you. One of you wearing an MJ shirt from, like, the day, from the history era, and then a new one of a cotton-on shirt. You've totally got to do that. Mm, probably not. <laughs> I could. You, if you wanted, you could use... The photo that I gave you of me in my new Thriller t-shirt, which I haven't spoken about yet. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay. Well, I will have to try and find a history. I have a picture of me as a teenager in a, I think, a red history tour shirt. We'll see. send it through. We'll see. I'm not promising this is going to happen. So if the show notes, uh, sorry, if the show art is different, (laughs) then that's just life folks so we'll see we will see but i yeah i got a thriller t-shirt recently as well i completely forgot about that and i wore it on halloween because it was so fitting so i was wearing that as uh answering the door and giving out lollies to trick-or-treaters that night because we had heaps we had over 30 which we were not expecting that many luckily we didn't run out of lollies and chocolate bars but um yeah so i got on holiday recently because uh, thank you to everyone for covering for me when I was on holiday. We've all, all the whole teams had trips this year. When I was in Kuala Lumpur, uh, got a really great quality, terrific quality Michael Jackson's Thriller t-shirt. And they were also selling sweatshirts, like jumpers, pullover things um, of Thriller. And this was in Zara. Zara Man had these in stock. And, um, yeah, that was another line of fashion that had recently come out. Yeah, so I forgot about that. I had the Thriller T-shirt. I love that one. That's a great – the photo you sent me of that is awesome. I love it. That's because of my holiday beard, right? (laughs) Q-beard. It's so good. Q-beard, the rarest of beards (laughs) because I'm not allowed to have her for work. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was – yeah, that one's a really quality – product like the fabric is really thick and the printing is really thick and really good whereas the cotton on one yeah it's 20 bucks it's a 20 buck shirt you know it's not going to last me 20 years that's for sure i'll be washing it like very gently when i wash those cheaper shirts but i think <laughs> that's wash. a good thing well yeah i will put it in the machine on like hand wash so it's very so it doesn't wear it out but i think you know cheap stuff is a not a bad thing just because something is like maybe not the best quality and a brand name like culture kings which was i'm still you know 60 bucks or whatever for a t-shirt is ridiculous but like i think the zara one what was that 38 dollars or something i would 
I was happy to pay that because like literally the quality is really good. And then 20 bucks each or two for 30 for these current ones. I think that's not a bad thing. Like that makes these Michael Jackson products accessible to a lot of people because we cannot all go and afford those ridiculous shoes that were up for sale to raise money for the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS foundation thing for the MJ 60 event, which were thousands of dollars. Like what fans can go and really legitimately afford that. But someone can afford a 20 buck t-shirt merchandise should be accessible to everyone. Yes. I have nothing more to add. I agree. So you had a chat with Damo recently and so did I yes we did some uh yeah that was good fun he interviewed us for um his upcoming faking Michael podcast which is still a while away so don't get excited folks but you know he's progressing with what he can do and yeah so he asked us some questions about 2010 and when the track came out and stuff like that. But no, it was, it was good to catch up. And I haven't got any Brisbane trips on my next roster, sorry. Oh, um, I was looking I forward know. to another catch up soon. Yeah, I want to come see your studio. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to hang like Michael Jackson stuff up on the walls? Yes. I know you've got the patch. Yes. The patch of our logo from the listener that made that. Are you going to hang that up finally? Yes, and I've also got a um, – I bought a poster of um, – it's like an original – well, it's a, it's a modern replica of an original Bad Album poster from the 80s. Oh, wow. So I'm going to get that framed and put that on the wall as well. Nice. So that's going to be awesome. And yeah, a couple of other little MJ things I'll put up. But the problem is in my studio, it's not shaped the way I want to display things in the background. Because like when I do filming and stuff, because eventually I want to do like, you know, videos here and there or whatever for YouTube. And uh, behind me are mirrors, like it's a mirrored wardrobe. So, but there's no other way I can put the desk. Like I'd rather it be in a sort of different location so I can put stuff on the wall behind me. But I'll show you when you come over, maybe you can help me figure it out. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's lots of fun. I'm looking forward to decorating the house in general. Now that it's our house, and we can actually put things on the walls without being freaking charged money by the landlord people. Couldn't believe <laughs> it when when I moved out of the other place, we took some sticky hooks off the wall, and they took this tiny little bit of paint off, and they charged us two hundred bucks to repaint it. Oh, that's ridiculous! I know. It's just yeah, annoying. those sticky hooks, by the way, like. They are I'm, not like 3M advertise them on the infomercials. Let I me don't just tell think you. So yeah, we yeah, had they, not great experiences with those hooks as well. You got to put a hairdryer up on that thing apparently for a few minutes until it's ready to take off. Thanks for putting mm, that on the packet. 3M. Well, we we tried a whole bunch of different ways and still took paint off walls. Like they are better than some other things, but yeah. But also, I think here in Australia, like the paint job in houses and the, what the walls are made of is pretty shit yeah it's not like, like the u.s and, and it's not like the old days like i remember the house i grew up you know you could just <laughs> hammer a nail into the wall and hang pictures and stuff oh the good old days when the i good grew old up days into when houses so you know like houses now are like <laughs> it's like that plaster stuff over bricks and cement and you can't just go 
banging nails to hang all your Michael Jackson stuff up willy-nilly through the house because you're going to have bits of plaster coming out everywhere. Yeah, and that's just on external walls. Normally, walls in an Australian house are just over timber. Like, they're hollow internal what? walls. Really? How's a brick? Yes. In, well, I get pretty much guarantee you they're not. The, the external walls of your house I have photos will, of will the building. I have photos in of the, the building. In the middle, the internal walls of your house are brick. The hallway? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought mostly houses were hollow walls internally. I reckon there's like a, a difference in frame. how they, I think they build houses differently in different states as well because of weather conditions. So over we, here, uh, all so houses we, are pretty much like all new houses anyway, uh, just made of bricks. Yeah, we have a brick house, but not the in, internal walls. You must have a better house than my house. <laughs> We we do not know what we're talking about at all. <laughs> Is there any tradies <laughs> out there? <laughs> yeah, my whole family. If they were listening to this right now, they'd be laughing their asses off. <laughs> like when we came, when this house was getting built, we would come like most weekends and I've got all the photos of them and like up the hallway, which is a purely internal wall and around the where the kitchen is, that's an internal wall and all that's brick. Maybe there's like wood frame in the middle of the bricks. I'm not, I can't remember, but it's brick walls. It's a different color brick to the style. It's a different kind of brick to the exterior walls. Moving on. We had a little kid. Um, we had a trick or treater dressed up as Michael Jackson come to the door. That was pretty cool. That is awesome. He got full-size chocolate bars off me, I can tell you that. Hey, did you um, actually use the variant of the Scream artwork that I made you for Thriller Night or not? No, because I couldn't print it out. Oh. Yeah, we haven't got any ink for the printer. and No, Officeworks, they're so cheap. You can get them printed up really. Yeah. Send it to Officeworks and they will print it massively for you and laminate it for like a dollar. They are, are so sure? cheap. I'm certain. I do it all the time for posters for my classroom. They are awesome. I'll give you a buck and you can go get it printed for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a transparency of Thriller 25 um, from when that was up in a record store on like a light box. Uh, it's about 30 centimetres by 30 centimetres up in the front window I had oh, yeah. uh, like music, like including at least three or four mixes of Thriller and one of Ghosts playing through the front window as well for Halloween, for Thriller Night when the kids came. Yeah. But it was cool having the, the kid dressed up in like a, you know, he had like a sparkly hat and a glove on and I think he had a sparkly jacket on. And yeah, it was a little, um, little Maori Maori boy. It was cool. Um, what do you do? You reckon there's going to be anything else happening in the MJ world between now and the end of the year? Like any other no. products? Or this <laughs> no. Is, that's it. They're done. Well, what have What have they done this year? <laughs> They've calendars. Um, calendars. Does that count? They always do a calendar, and that's available now. I guess if you want. They did One. Thriller 3D, which was pretty much last year. <laughs> they just did it again. They did it again um, in more places, except places that where? matter, like here as well. You know, we're a place. We're a um, place. Oh well, yeah, actually, no, some don't people don't think we're a place. Some people think Australia is just fake. Oh yeah, we're it's all, all actors. Yep, 
actors. Yep. Yeah. No, I don't think we're getting anything else this year. And to be honest, I don't know if we'll get anything next year. I don't know. Maybe well, wasn't there possibly another Spike Lee documentary in the works? But yeah, I there was heard anything about a that. thriller one, and who knows what? I don't even think they know what they're doing. I think they just decided at the last minute. Maybe we'll get a John Branca Christmas message. Who knows? I I don't know what to say to that. That that would be horrifying <laughs> and terrible. <laughs> Fake tears. Woo! Oh my god! This is so bad. <laughs> uh, have you seen the Queen movie? No, I haven't even seen the Gaga one. Man, I'm like dying over I here. I heard that's amazing. Yeah, me too. It hurts so much. I want to see both of those really hugely. The Queen one, though, I've been reading online that um that it's good, but it doesn't deal with his death at all. Apparently, it doesn't deal with his, you know. No, I was it's shocked when be, I read that. No, it's not a huge. It's not a biopic, and it's not accurate either. Like apparently, the timeline of a lot of things in it is very wrong. Like because uh, mm. this sort of is based around the Live Aid. It finishes pretty much at the Live Aid performance. Um, yeah. And in this movie, I've read that you know he discloses to the bandmates that he's got HIV and everything. Uh, and then they, oh, he's like, you know, oh, it'll be fine. You know, let's just go do a great show. That never happened until years after Live Aid. Yeah. So the movie sort of basing the whole Live Aid performance on like, Freddie's not going to let this get him down and he's going to, you know, continue on. That was actually before, many years before that he actually found out and yeah, so it's – and you know what? I really think this is what the Michael Broadway play is going to be like. Mm. They'll they'll pick a, a one thing and it could be the Pepsi f- f- incident with the fire, the commercial. It could be that. It could be We Are the World. It could be Motown 25 Billie Jean performance. They'll pick something like that and then they'll base the story – before that and then maybe perhaps a little bit after that and it will be a snapshot chapter of the life it might yeah allude to other things that happen in the future like you know the pepsi thing drug dependency and and stuff like that or you know billy jean you know allegations and stuff like that but i think that's how it will go you're a queen fan i am shocked that i'm not obsessed with them i like their stuff but I have never devoted the attention and the time to them to learn and to get really into it. So I'm I'm shocked that Freddie Mercury isn't my other Michael Jackson obsession kind of deal. Freddie was my Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. So like I, yeah, before I discovered Michael, Freddie was the guy that I idolized. And even to this day, when I watched, like original live footage of them performing. There's, there's he he's the only other performer that gives me the same feeling of of when I see Michael. Like he, I can't think of any other performer that's as comfortable on stage as Michael was as Freddie. Prince. I, I haven't watched a lot of Prince stuff, so okay. Yeah. Sign of the Times was actually on one of our music channels on the planes at the moment. Yeah, uh, on like the iPad streaming service, and uh, I don't know about the the inbuilt TVs, but I on my little twenty minute break yesterday over breakfast, I sat down and I put on Sign of the Times that movie concert thing. I've never actually seen that. It was weird, but yeah, it was pretty awesome to see. Like the quality of it was amazing. That's cool. Woo! 
MJ Cast.